welcome to the first 2020 podcast for Coffee and Heroes. Uh, we're going to be starting the year off with our previews podcast. Uh, delighted, as always, your host, Alan. I'm joined here by my partner in crime, Vicky. Also joined by Mr. Winging It Indy. Hello, it's Roddy here. <laughs> <laughs> and we have Mr. Smooth Voice, Mr. Marvel himself, Keith. Howdy. <laughs> And how is everyone this fine day? We're recording this, I should say, on the 3rd of January. Um, previous books were a little bit later than uh, usual this time. Uh, there was no deliveries with Diamond in between Christmas and New Year, so the books came to us a week late. The solicitations were online a little early, but uh, the books themselves only arrived in this week. Um, but outside of that, how was everyone's Christmas? How was everyone's New Year? Yeah, I had a really good Christmas. Yeah, really good time. Uh, had by off. I'm struggling, so if my voice goes, a uh, bit of a cold happening. So if we my voice dosed. goes, yeah, we bit dosed. Battling through. What yeah, a guy. but a rare Friday night for us all. So Friday yeah. night podcast. It what? doesn't really feel like a Friday because the week is just all up in the air at the moment with it being Christmas and New Year. I feel like I yeah. just, mm. I feel out of yeah. sorts. There wasn't even a new comic book day on Wednesday. It was doesn't it? How are you supposed to start the year like that? Do you know what I mean? No, no new comic <laughs> book day on a Wednesday. Yeah, so slightly out of sync for ourselves as well. Um, we have m- recently moved stores. Most people will, will know uh, still within Smithfield Market, but moved to a new unit there recently. It's just much better, much cleaner, fresher, um, drier, <laughs> warmer, um, stronger, better, faster everything and all of the above and a massive thanks to everybody who helped us including people around this table um who helped facilitate that move and helped out with that but uh i think the results are there to see everyone seems to be much preferring it that's a lovely space yeah much brighter much better yeah so so exciting year ahead for us hopefully um as we enter our uh just past two and a half years open now so it's uh awesome flown by so did santa bring you everything you wanted I got Batman issues and Batman figures, so it's like I'm 12 again. <laughs> I got a lovely original piece of art from uh, Kanto. It was one of the sort of from book six, like the like sort of remaining pages. Yeah. And it's quite a sort of brings away tear to your eye when you see it. So if you haven't read it, get ready for March. Yep. Because trade paperback Because it's definitely one to pick up and. Sort of, I've been communicating with the artist and writer on Twitter, and they are loving that we've been so vocal about getting the bit of art and ha- where it's sitting in the house and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm looking forward to reading sort of Canto's next adventures in their next book as well. So and that trades out in March. It's out in March, yeah, and I've got a sequel coming out later this year. So awesome, already greenlit. So yeah, it was one of my favorite books of last year. I'm sure we'll talk ch- talk about it more in our Mammoth 15 hour podcast for the end of year. We're uh, not doing 15 hours. Coming <laughs> 16. 16. Coming soon. 16. Coming soon. They can, <laughs> what no, they can come to you your know, house let's then. Let's just go for it. 24 <laughs> hours, full day. Let's just do it. You know, do I it. don't think I can look at any of that for that no. long. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Roddy? Nice Christmas presents? I'd, yeah. Um, nothing comic related, actually. Um, just the usual Call sort of self a comic got, got socks and <laughs> deodorant <laughs> and perfume and all that sort of stuff. Perfume? Perfume? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I gave the gift of comics to my girlfriend, but I did not receive any comics. So, yeah, I don't know if that's sad or good. Or please tell what? me the gift of comics you gave to her wasn't your own comic. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> here you go. Here a signed <laughs> copy, personalized to you. All, all of them. Yeah, <laughs> poor girl uh, has to put up with a lot. <laughs> <laughs> How about yourself, Keith? Um, 
Well, a number of years ago, uh, we issued the uh, the idea of gift giving in our family uh, because we're all grown ups uh, and or retired um, and such, and there's only so many um, Cliff Richard CDs you can buy my mom, and only <laughs> so many golf doodads you can buy my dad. So uh, what I tend to do is I tend to buy the wine for the the Christmas table. Um, of my friend uh, Mark Fairley and Coleraine, who uh, owns uh, Fairley's Wines. So got uh, six nice bottles and a nice bottle of port, and uh, we enjoyed it all together as a family. So Fantastic. Um, Alan good. and Vicky yeah. were nice enough to uh, to get me a variant cover of King Thor number four, uh, which featured uh, the very writer himself, Jason Aaron, surrounded by uh, all of the major characters from the series. So, uh, so that was my... Uh, my 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 gift received of uh, comicdom. Yeah, that was a that was a one to five hundred variant. If you saw how many issues of King Thor number four <laughs> we have under our counter, you know. <laughs> Thank you. And I think uh, I think it's worth saying Happy New Year to uh, everybody around the table and to everybody listening. Happy twenty twenty. Yeah. Year Happy of Iron Man apparently. <laughs> well, just a big thank you to everyone who's listened to us and uh, listened to the podcast, talked about us, and. Give us a rating. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. And that brings an end to our podcast. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> You're in for uh, hopefully another year of uh, previews, reviews and book clubs. Uh, hopefully some interviews. Yeah, we're trying to set up a few interesting things this year. We're probably going to set up a new Twitter handle for it as well so people can interact directly with the, the podcast as well. I mean, the podcast started out very much as a tool for the store obviously to help people with regards to their orders or recommendations and stuff. But we like to think that hopefully it's going to, while it will still aid the store, of course, it'll hopefully grow a little bit above that as well. And we can start maybe talking to creators and, and different things. So um, we're working to get it on the Spotify as well. Just open it up as much as possible. And then I think, as I say, with social media and Twitter handles and things like that, people can like ask us direct questions or you know, throw suggestions and that kind of thing. So mm. so we're working on a few things. We may have a, a new picture on the way for the podcast coming soon as well <laughs> uh, from the lovely John Gorman. Um, working on that, his uh, rendition of Roddy was spot on. Yeah. Like you would not <laughs> believe. It's He's he's very talented. <laughs> so He really conveyed Roddy's essence in that after picture. He, he spent a couple of times, but finally after some badgering, <laughs> uh, I had to have words with him, but he got it right. <laughs> he made you look more like a badger or less than a badger. <laughs> <laughs> so I, th I think uh, he got us all pretty spot on. Yeah, like he's, he he's warned Alan that he can't grow or cut his hair now or get rid of the beard. So yeah, because he uh, he drew a picture of of me not long after we'd opened it. So I was first introduced to John, and he'd only been in the store once or twice, but he ended up coming in and handing me this picture. It was like a oh, we gift for the store. And, of course, it was me with longer hair. And the day he gave it to me, I had got my hair cut the day before. <laughs> so uh, yeah, he's warning me a bit more this time. And then I got him to do one with Vicky for her birthday. So, yeah, tremendously talented guy. So looking forward to, uh, you know, receiving that as well. Um, but the year of December as well as being the year of Christmas. Uh, the year? Hmm. The month of Christmas was the month of Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. We are not the biggest Star Wars people in the world, we have to say. I would, I would actually say the biggest fan at this table. It's me. It's Vicky. Yeah. <coughs> Pardon me, for better or for worse. Um, we've all seen it, though. We've all seen it. We, I think we all enjoyed it at its base level. Um, on top of that, I'm not so sure since. But mm. uh, for me, I just thought it was a lot of fun. I thought, I don't take Star Wars seriously. It's about a bunch of space wizards. 
Um, <laughs> it's fun. It's <coughs> pardon me. The music's great. Um, the world building is usually good. But I just go to it for a fun time. I don't really go to it to analyze it and dig deep into it. Um, but it made me feel, you know, it's, it's something Vicky said as well. It made me feel like a kid again. You know, mm-hmm. two and a half hours, didn't think about the outside world, enjoyed a movie, walked out, pretty much forgot about it. Well, I enjoyed it a bit more than that. Um, like I said, when, like, the first, like, role where you see the script coming down the screen, like, you get sort of that little you wiggle in your chair get right ready for it and, the, and then throughout the movie then sort of are we allowed to do spoilers or are yeah, we spo- we, we've all seen it it's all been out for a few what weeks. about again spoilers from here on in guys you can fast forward if you don't want to hear them it's the bit where obviously they're all getting pummeled at the end but and then all of a sudden some lando comes in with the um the millennium falcon and you just the m- thing that popped into my head was end game and um, um, Avengers Assembled. That's what came to my mind. But I was like, I don't care. This is great. I loved it. <laughs> I was like, all the different starships. <laughs> that was the point whenever I went, this is a great Avengers movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> only only the the problem, I think, was that uh, that scene in Avengers Endgame was way better. Oh, yeah. It was definitely was. Because, obviously, uh, you know, Endgame was the culmination of, what, 20, 21 movies, 22 movies, movies, you know? So... You know, that on your left just meant so much. You know what I mean? Yeah. That crackled in the air and you're on your left. And I just, I, just, I mean, I thought, oh, that, that's interesting. I don't know. Um, so I, yeah. just when I saw that, I thought, I was like, oh, they're going to win here. And so then the music started and like the sort of the fighting music that they get in Star Wars. I, I was like, yes, I like, I like this. I feel, as Alan said, I, I feel like a kid again. And. I do like Star Wars a lot more than what Alan does. And if I was flicking the channels and it was on, I'd always just sit there and watch it. it didn't matter if it oh, was of course, yeah. like halfway through the movie, end of the movie, I still wanted to watch it. The only one that we don't have on 4K or Blu-ray is Last Jedi. Um, Understandably so. We are not talking about The Last Jedi <laughs> I'm not saying again. It, but I will be getting... Um, Despite our store being a comic store, I don't think I've talked about anything <laughs> as much <laughs> in that store to people as The Last Jedi. I'm just wow. saying, <laughs> I don't think we'll be getting that, but we will get... Yeah, we're Res- completionists, we'll get it at some point. Some great yeah. uh, that, that lightsaber battle uh, out in the, the, the Death Star in the middle of the sea was pretty awesome. Yeah, I think like that was my favourite part. Yeah, yeah. But really what I liked that. was when they were like fighting, but they were in different places. They weren't on the same like plane as it was oh yeah whenever they were they were fighting on that that town he was uh, yep. yeah yeah she was on groovy. there were some cool some cool moments definitely yeah 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 for me it was just han solo being on it because i genuinely <laughs> didn't expect it um i mm. thought that was a great moment um but the bit they dealt with leia as best they could obviously with the sad passing of carrie fisher that it was a good movie it just wasn't a great the, the opening crawl you know the way you're saying about that that was essentially Here's what I would have done in movie two. <laughs> there was an awful lot of fill in the gaps. Lot, a lot of an awful lot of Ryan correction, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did rather enjoy Luke Skywalker catching the uh, lightsaber from getting into the fire and going, "This weapon deserves more respect." <laughs> yeah, you know, obviously <laughs> calling few, back uh, to Last Jedi. Yeah. A little I, bit, I heard you chuckling at that yeah. bit. Yeah, there was yeah a few moments, few moments, definitely. I mean, overall. But what about Chewie Day getting his medal? He did get his medal finally 40 years later. He got Han's medal. But, he's but he was handed yeah, a exactly. medal. It was, it was a medal. Yeah, but that's, that's what was more poignant about it was that it was, it was, it was Leia handing 
Chewy hands medal. Mm. You know, so there were some great, great wee moments. Uh, you know, Chewy's peeing and the whole that thing broke me. Yeah. That absolutely broke. How me. do you go from there were some great moments? I mean, Chewy's peeing <laughs> <laughs> because because there was a few character moments in it. There was yeah. an awful lot of there was an awful lot of fan service in it. Um, yeah, probably too much mm-hmm. uh, to the point that a lot of it didn't make sense. You know, to, uh, there were some overreactions, I think, from characters in the movie in order to service fans that mm-hmm. wouldn't have serviced the characters, if you know what I mean. So, uh, yeah. It's weird. I mean, what it proved to me was that you just can't play Star Wars fans. You make Last Jedi, it's too different. They're changing the formula too much. Why are they doing this? They make uh, Rise of Skywalker full of fan service and nostalgia. There's too much nostalgia in this. Uh, there's no middle ground with Star Wars There's fans. an easy um, medium. There's unfortunately, an easy medium. the well, there is an easy medium, and we'll get to that in about two or three minutes, um, <laughs> I would say. But I think it's just in a weird way, George Lucas, you know, love him or hate him, he sort of perfected it in the original trilogy. Mm. And they've been chasing that ever since, and they've just never achieved it because it's hard to capture lightning yeah. in a bottle twice. I, To be honest, I thought they had something with, um, what was the first one? Force, Force Awakens. Awakens. I thought they had the nice balance of... They remake it, remake it, and you hope they did remake it, but they were paying enough respect to the past. I'm not a big Star Wars guy, but it felt like they were doing enough to with that nostalgia. But they were trying to drive it forward. Last mm-hmm. Jedi, arguably, I respect it because they tried to do something new and creative. And then for me, Rise of Skywalker was just a massive step backwards because I was like the nostalgia beating, and it was just a bit too much for me. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I also paid like I think over the nail to see it in Dublin. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I knew that so was coming out at some point. <laughs> I went to see it in Omnimax. So it was very in Dundonald. It was very enjoyable. And who served you when you went in? It was, I think it was a guy called James Oliver. <laughs> I think who is a big customer of Coffee and Heroes. But I wasn't too sure it was he him because I've never met him. But he uh, is someone we enjoy recommending movies to. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's um, it's just a really funny. One. Like, I don't consider myself a Star Wars fan, but whenever the the mu- you know, it's like silent for like five seconds, and then you get the <gasps> yeah, Dun! yeah. Um, that's like incredible. I, I think that's one of the best things in cinema but (laughs) as that was crawling up as the crawl was coming up i was just saying to myself please don't be the best part of this movie (laughs) (laughs) please don't be all downhill from here (laughs) but um i don't know i don't know um for me i thought it was like poorly written but there's a reason for that like i think there was a lot of they're trying to get back at the last jedi and all this there was um i don't know there was like the part I can't remember what planet it was called, but it was Oscar Isaac's character, and he met his like old friend, and it was just a bit. Oh, here is a thing to get you on the ship or whatever. But, yeah. but yeah, like can't argue. There's of loads of loads of really good fun bits as lots well. Lots of MacGuffins, lots of you yeah. need to get this to get you to here to get you to there to you know. But no, I I thought the chemistry between the three main leads was good as well. Um, first time, first time seeing those characters together that. I thought, oh, these actors have figured out who these characters are, and yeah. they're actually uh, seeming like uh, not well-rounded characters, but slightly more rounded characters. Yeah. Um, so yeah, overall for me, very solid. I wouldn't. I know you said you wouldn't mind seeing it in the cinema again, but I don't think you've really pushed it too much. I think that could be because <laughs> we moved stores. We had a mammoth <laughs> delivery. 
Um, Christmas, New Year. Yeah, and working. So I would say as soon as it comes out in Blu-ray, we'll probably pick it up and that'll be the next time I watch it. But very solid for me. Again, not the biggest Star Wars guy, but it was fun. Tell us more about this easy medium you were talking about. That would probably be, I mean, I've heard, I've heard, you know, I haven't seen myself, you know, because it's not available in Disney Plus here until March. But I've heard The Mandalorian is pretty damn excellent. I've heard to see it. I mean, I, I may have even, you know, thrown in some, some group sources? chats. I may have even thrown in some group chats about uh, eight episodes of Mandalorian. <laughs> Better than nine Star Wars movies. <laughs> and I stand by that because, and you don't get one, of course, without the other. But I think Mandalorian is, is the way you're saying, Roddy, that The Force Awakens had a good bit of nostalgia and so forth. Mandalorian just pays the perfect amount of respect, but expands upon it. Um, I think Mandalorian... And again, coming from a guy who's not a massive Star Wars guy, Man mm-hmm. is excellent. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I, I think I'll probably watch that again. I mean, watch that for the first time <laughs> before uh, I watch Rise of Skywalker again, to be honest. And it's it's completely finished now? It's eight, Just eight episodes, episodes yeah. The yep. new season's coming out sometime this year as well. It's eight, eight cool. solid, solid episodes. It's, as as Alan says, it's John Favreau, uh, who is, he clear, clearly has love for Star Wars. Um is is playing in George Lucas's sandbox. He's playing in the world that George Lucas has created, and he's he's creating something new in that world, expanding upon concepts and races and characters that you know R- Lucas has created. You know, so it's it's very very it's very very good. And I mean, I think there's something to be said for for a series that uh, can run for what nearly eight hours, and for the most part, the main character wears a helmet. Yeah, mm-hmm. y- you know, yeah. you know, you know, it's it's very very simplified storytelling as well because it's just following one character mm. like it's not here's five separate plot threads and they may come together it's literally here's the main character you follow him and his pet but it and was uh, it was <laughs> it was very neat it was very neat that way it yeah. was very neat in that you know the some of the, the the characters that he he met early in the series had an impact later in the series so he, those relationships that he was building yeah came back to haunt him or help him, you know, as the case may be. So, yeah, very good show. The one last point i just make on it is that uh, there's a regular comes into the store. I'm not going to name names because it would embarrass him. But a massive Star Wars guy. And uh, he said to me today, I really enjoyed The Mandalorian. I mean, the only problem was, you know, to me, that that head of the bounty hunters, I mean, that's Lando. Why is the same actor playing Lando, playing this new character? And I went, Sorry? it's the same character i was like that's carl weathers and he went no no it's the same guy look and then pulled his phone out as if to prove me wrong and then I went okay you're right <laughs> oh, i was dear. like that's apollo creed oh. my god man anyway um yeah that, that was uh mandalorian i know you've been watching watchmen i oh, think you've oh, seen yeah. all of watchmen we have watched the watchmen and we have not watched the any perfect of it, so. nine panels of uh nine episodes of tv show have you have you watched the whole nine I have indeed, yeah. I'm um, six in. I'm fantastic. Six There's a lot uh, of great, great yeah. stuff coming. So I'm watching uh, three and then listening to the podcast, the, oh. the official HBO Watchmen podcast. I still haven't got around to the podcast, um, actually. So it, it, every episode of it <coughs> follows, you know, covers three episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just fantastic stuff. So the the, the sixth episode was the, the memory episode. Uh, which was just fantastic. I think the, if that doesn't win, that means <coughs> there's something oh, wrong. Was a it's fantastic. Spoilers. No, no spoilers. No, no spoilers, spoilers. But it's no just spoilers. a very, very uh, <laughs> interesting way of telling a story. And, yeah. um, 
and sort of the links to the original book are there. Um, some great characters. Character motivations are all yeah, for for each of the characters is is there. Um, it's really really it's it's story it's another level of of storytelling yeah. above you know the likes of Rise of Skywalker or even the Mandalorian. You know, I mean, it's uh, it's very very High whereas praise indeed. whereas I mean, I would call um, Rise of Skywalker maybe awesome, but not deep. This is awesome and deep. <laughs> it's you know a lot of. Well, that's one of the reasons we held back on watching it because I sort of thought there's going to be a lot of work here, a lot of character development, a lot of themes, a lot of world building, and I thought I don't want to wait week on week on this. But that like uh, I don't want to talk about it too much. But that's the beauty of it. Mm, I actually, suppose it would be different if you're like. You know the whole watercolor it's discussion. You, know, where you, you can chat. <laughs> you know you can chat about it and throw out. Uh, <laughs> you can throw out theories and stuff like that. I suppose it's but very reminiscent of uh, you know Lost. Like after an episode, I know Lost like, very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd be like, oh my god, uh, yeah, I need to talk about this. Yep, that's great stuff. So that's I get think on you'll it. enjoy it. Get Please on get going. So uh, that's the end of our podcast this time. As uh, I'm off to watch Watchmen. Okay, not really, right? Let's talk some comics. Um, oh, uh, sorry, other thing, Roddy. Um, have you been on the the HBO Watchmen website? I have not. Uh, you know the there's the the two FBI characters in it. Mm-hmm. There's FBI agents in it. I told you, spoilers. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. they're not the ones from uh, <laughs> from Twin Peaks. Um, but there's uh, two F- well, the male FBI character, the the younger one. He's a wee bit of a an encyclopedia of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go on the website. Uh, he's his his surname's Petey, and there's a Petapedia, oh, where right. he okay. unpacks a lot of the the unsaid things or the uncovered things that that link the book with the TV oh, series, okay. uh, the things that happen, where characters have gone or what's happened to them, or yeah. So fantastic, fantastic. We talk about some comics. I think we'll talk about some comics. Uh, yeah, so we're gonna go through the previews books then for the next uh, hour, hour and a half or so. Um, Vicky giving me a disbelieving look. She thinks it's going to be three hours. Um, <laughs> if that is the case, I will have to leave at some point. Look, we haven't, we haven't been speaking to our audience in a good couple of weeks. We need to give them the material, Vicky. I exactly. get that, but I have to be at work at <laughs> Release the, the Schneider Cut. Yeah. So oh, release sorry. the Schneider Cut update. Yes, yeah, sorry, Kate, I should go on to updates here for release the Schneider Cut. I Keith, know how if you want to throw you something <laughs> at him, but miss Wolverine and Hulk, you're very funny. But have you heard release the JJ Cut? Unfortunately, Lame. yes. You see yeah, the way you yeah. just rolled your eyes? Yeah. That's, that's exactly how you feel. That's because no one cares about <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> Justice League. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm not really going to go into it. Um, yeah, so we're going to go through the previews books. So these are the uh, these are the January previews books. Uh, and In case this is your first time listening to us, the way comics work is you get your previews books uh, for releases uh, coming out two months from now. And then it's a case of letting stores know if there's titles that interest you or you would like pre-ordered or added to your pull list. So this is just a way of us throwing out some information um, and letting you know certainly the things that we're looking forward to most. The books themselves, they are always in the store. We've created a new e-corner in the store with, with it being the new store um, where there's a table there, the books are on there, there's sheets there, you can write down any titles that interest you and then above that you'll see the, the previews board which is our recommendations. But we just do the podcast as an extra resource just to chat about, as I say, the titles we look forward to most. Uh, so what we've all done is we've all picked out five titles each. Um, we'll go through them. We'll leave the one that we would sort of say is our main recommendation to last. 
um, just so you have to listen to it all the way through whether you like it or not. Um, so yeah, I'll kick things off. Um, for me, the first recommendation I have is a Marvel title. Uh, Controversial. I've been reading a lot of Marvel recently. I'm blaming Keith for it, like, but you know, he's, he's <laughs> never going to completely convert me. But there is a lot of quality out there. Um, but the the first title I went for, Spider Man Noir, which is number one of five, is going to be a f- so as stated, five issue miniseries. It's written by uh, Margaret Stoll, who I must admit is not someone I'm overly familiar with. But the main reason I'm drawn to this title is the artist, which is Juan Ferreira. Uh, one of my favorite artists recently did a um, five-issue miniseries. I know Vicky will agree with me on this, called Punisher Kill Crew, which was a spin-off from War of the Realms. Absolutely fantastic. Absolutely wonderful. You could read it as just as its own thing. You don't even need to read War of the Realms to thoroughly <laughs> enjoy it. But it's five issues. It's fun. It's fast-paced. It's action-packed. Great title. Um, be a Spider-Man noir for anybody who has seen Edge of Spider-Verse. Um, we'll know Spider-Man Noir as, I believe it's uh, more of a war hero, so to speak. Spider-Man Noir is in the 30s, isn't it? Um, set in the 30s, uh, the the first Spider-Man Noir book was a four-issue published in 2009. It was created by David Hine. Um, I can't remember what it came out of, if it came out of something, but there was the four-issue Spider-Man Noir. There was a couple of them, wasn't there? There was There's Spider-Man Man Noir, Eyes Without a Face. Um, Iron Man Noir has an interesting little tidbit. Yeah, that's right. There was a there was a series of them, wasn't it? You Iron know? Man Noir was written by <laughs> our good friend Scott Schneider. Because mm-hmm. yeah. he wrote for Marvel no. before he wrote for DC. Um, so, alternative version of Spider-Man Noir-themed uh, Peter Parker of the 1930s was bitten by an illegally imported and highly venomous spider which gave him superhuman abilities. Um, he begins a one-man war on the criminal underworld of New York City as a Brutal and feared vigilante known as the Spider-Man, partly to avenge the death of his uncle Ben Parker and his mentor Ben Urich at the hands of the city's crime lord Norman Osborn. Um, it's kind of kind of cool. Um, he he uses guns and stuff, doesn't he? Yeah. He, uh, yeah. Anyway, I mean, I'm I'm a sucker for sort of stuff set during the war. Um, I love these sort of alternate timelines or these small stories that take place within sort of like world wars and stuff like that. Sort of that, you know, that era. But, uh, yeah, so for this one, five issues, um, the blurb goes, As the specter of war looms on the horizon, Spider-Man Noir fights a good fight at home, stopping the injustices of a more friendly neighborhood variety. But after a dame is murdered at the Black Cat nightclub, nice little mm-hmm. nod there, uh, and all clues point overseas, Spidey will have no choice but to board the next flight to Europe and kick off a globetrotting adventure through yesteryear of the Marvel Universe. This is what also makes this fun. I mean, for all you know, he's going to bump into Captain America while he's there, <laughs> or you're going to have, you know... Howard Stark there, or you're going to have other characters that they'll bump into. So, so it's like Spider-Man Noir, far, far from home. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I'm I am reading a lot of Spider-Man at the moment. I have to say, and I'm really enjoying the miniseries el- element of them. Life Story was a perfect example. Six issues, um, great, great storytelling. Um, so that's another one I'll look forward to. Spider-Man Noir number one. Go on, Vicky, give us a recommendation. Okay. So it's Outlander, Outlawed, sorry, um, number one. Um, the real reason I probably picked it was because Nova is in it, and I like Nova. So. And who is Nova? He is a kid that has a special helmet that makes him fly. <laughs> to put, put it in the. So not like the helmet Spider Man wears to talk to horses? No. No. Not as good as that. No. That, w- that one's pretty cool. <laughs> but no, this one is by 
Eve L. Ewing, which we're not sure if she's related to, or we think she's related to Al Ewing, either by being his wife or his sister. Did we so look this up before, didn't we? Because I'm really sure that she was a, a writer on something else that we'd recommended not too long ago. Can't remember. Um, but yeah, art is Kim Jacinto. But no, like I said, real reason being Nova being part of the crew like there hasn't been a Nova book for the last couple of years or last sort of year or so so sort of anything with Nova in it I tend to sort of pick it up and sort of have a look but it's about um, teens like the sort of younger sort of hero superheroes being sort of seems to be a lot of that in the go this month what stopping teens mm, teens teens okay teen heroes you sound awful old there Keith <laughs> 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 Get off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the blurb for it is that in the wake of the devastating tragedy, the United States passed a law that will shake the Marvel Universe to its core. The world has had enough of teen heroes. So Just like Keith. <laughs> um, the crackdown has begun and lives of Marvel's next generation will never be the same again. Evo Ewing and I think that's help with Kim Jacinto. Um, launch a new era of the game-changing event one shot that will send shockwaves across the Marvel universe. You won't want to miss this one. So, obviously, this will probably be the start of something new. Um, and obviously, sort of why everything the sort of teens are being sort of outlawed, and so I'd be curious to see why they're being outlawed and what's happened in the US to. Yeah, I mean, this seems to be coming out from the pages of Incoming, although something I haven't actually got to read myself just yet, but I believe it was setting up all of these different events in the Marvel Universe for this year. So, um, yeah, I mean, interesting team, having Miss Marvel in there, having Miles Morales. Um, this might be a book as well that's maybe suitable for a slightly younger audience as well, which is, is always something we, we like to point out in the shop. So, um, yeah, it doesn't state whether it's an ongoing or... A miniseries or anything like that. Well, that's what I was confused because obviously it says number one, but then it says a one yeah, shot. Yeah, it's so a one shot. It's a one shot. <laughs> yeah, one shot then. Um, that's okay. the thing. Comics will always throw a number one out there, even if it is a one shot. But yeah, 48 pager. Um, that was Outlawed number one. Eve L. Ewing was the author of the Ironheart comic book series for Marvel, which centered around Riri Williams. Um, she's a sociologist, an author, a poet, and a visual artist from Chicago. So I don't think she's related to uh, the very English... Oh, okay. <laughs> Our guess was wrong then. Uh, Every well, day is a school day. Every day is. Um, yeah, so that was uh, Outlawed number one. So uh, Roddy's going to give us a DC recommendation now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if by DC you mean indie, then yes. <laughs> <laughs> Try to think of something smart there. No, I'm too, too sick. Um, yeah, so I'm going to go for a Scout Comics title. This one is called North Bend, and it is by writer Ryan Ellsworth. And the artist is Rob Carey, who we've discussed before, did uh, Aliens Resistance for Dark Horse, and he's done, I know he's done work on James Bond and stuff like that. Um, this one caught my eye because it's another Scout have sort of picked up a lot of um, Kickstarter books recently, like in the past probably the past year or so and i think north north bend started life as a kickstarter and then eventually 
got picked up by Scout. Um, really like the look of this one. I'll give you the blurb. Um, in the not-too-distant future, the U.S. is at war against Russia and its own people. The country is on the verge of economic collapse and the political revolution. Desperate to regain control, the CIA recruits Seattle DEA agent Brendan Kruge to test an experimental mind control drug in an, on unwitting Americans. Compelled by a sense of duty to his country, Brendan struggles to keep his life from falling apart as he tries to reconcile his personal beliefs with the security of his nation. Love the sound of it. <clears throat> Don't know if you get really a lot of um, sort of political thrillers and comics, but it's something I'm really, really looking forward to. I'm a big, big, big fan of Rob, Ke like Rob Carey. And I'm not too sure what else Ryan Ellsworth has done, but um, there's a really nice-looking Tula Lute cover. I know she's done a lot of uh, image stuff. Um, I was just looking up North Bend. I think North Bend, they did four, might have done four on Kickstarter so far, so I think I'm pretty sure they've done the entire series. So, yeah, looking forward to this one. Yeah, there's been but some good stuff coming out. Scout Comics recently, they're... Yeah. I think I'll put this down to, you know, obviously knowing yourself more and more, but I always have a look out for Scout Comics stuff now because there's a lot Good. of interesting stuff yeah. coming through it. Definitely. Um, I'm loving the... This one's actually, you should say, they were doing that binge thing recently. Do you know the release number one and then release a graphic novel down the line? I think this is just the start of a series. Um, but yeah, I love love Scout. Like Red Winter has been really good customary michael gordon mention um <laughs> and then uh, there's another one called midnight sky i've been reading that's been really good and yeah yeah really looking forward to this i think there's all those kind of wild image and you know your dark horses and idws of the world are still rocking and rolling doing like the great number ones there's there's a lot of great stuff underneath with like your scouts and your vaults and your even valiant and all that sort of stuff and source point press you know so very excited very excited Jesus to see where they go black stars above that's vault vault yeah great title so there, there's just like it's always um that's why i'm here that's why i'm mr indie you know so i'm always <laughs> trying to look out for the do you know smaller titles that maybe like maybe you know people aren't looking out for something like that in the book but maybe hopefully they will be now Good job. Yeah. You're saying Keith and I are just tools of the big corporations and we're just pointing out the blindingly obvious titles every month. Just Marvel and DC puppets. <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm only messing. Only messing. Go ahead, Keith. Surprise him and do an indie recommendation. Nope. 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 <laughs> nope. Nope. Um, so, yeah, you're right, Roddy. I mean, it's the uh, start of the year and there's a lot, of, a lot of new number ones floating about. A few floating about Marvel that we're going to be uh, talking about. Um I guess, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess I'm gonna, I'm gonna maybe pick one of those number ones as my first choice. Um, so that's going to be "Strange Academy" by Scotty Young and Humberto Ramos. So, I mean, I guess the thing that really drew me to this is Scotty Young on writing. He is clearly determined to point out that he is as obnoxiously talented. A writer, <laughs> as he is, an artist. Um, obviously, he's doing some great stuff on Middle West. Yeah, oh, mm -hmm. at the minute. Um, so, uh, so yeah. So the and I mean, Umberto Ramos on on Amazing Spider-Man has been fantastic. So, if that wasn't enough to to draw you, um, I guess what we're looking at here is a kind of a Hogwarts uh, in the Marvel universe. 
Um, so the Marvel Universe has uh, got all the witches and wizards and sorcerers and uh, spellcasters um, around. And uh, what what they're doing here is uh, the, the title is Strange Academy, and the name should should be enough to tell you that uh, Doctor Strange is is involved. He set himself up a uh, he set himself up a, a school uh, for sorcerers and mages and witches and wizards and spellcasters in the Marvel Universe. Um, and he's going to be he's going to be taking charge of that academy. Um, what's happening in Doctor Strange's book at the minute is he has been recently healed. Uh, his hands have recently been healed, so um, I, I'm interested to see how that's uh, how that ties into this. But the new series apparently brings together a whole new class of students from Earth, from Weird World, from Asgard, from the Dark Dimension and beyond, all learning how to control their mystical gifts. Uh, choosing a faculty. Um, seems to be as satisfying for Strange as for the storytellers, and it seems we've got Brother Voodoo leading the uh, as the principal of the Academy, the Ancient One, Scarlet Witch, Magic, and Hel- Demon Hellstrom, um, confer- confirmed thus far, but there's a promise of seeing all of Marvel's most iconic magicians join into the fun. So, um, so of course, we'll see Apocalypse in there somewhere. <laughs> Apparently, we're going to see Apocalypse. <laughs> um, the, the main characters uh, seem to be a girl called Emily Bright, um, a lifelong magic manipulator, and uh, Doyle Dormammu, who is the illegitimate son of the Dark Dimensions ruler, uh, Dread Dormammu. So, um, yeah, interested to see what happens there. The uh, The school is, where else but New Orleans? Uh, where else do you put a school of magic in the Marvel Universe? And uh, uh, we were talking about, uh, in, no, not incoming, what was the... Uh, Outlawed. Outlawed about all these teen heroes so again this is another book full of kids and teen heroes you know so <laughs> scotty young is the perfect person to do that book yeah. <laughs> and of course he's doing a variant cover for it oh you gotta get that <laughs> oh, yeah <laughs> yes please <laughs> yeah i mean scotty young he's been certainly reaching out a lot more in terms of his writing um did a series called bully wars recently which was a lot of fun uh, he also was writing Deadpool for a while. Uh, Keith's, ha- Keith's favorite character. I hate Fairyland. I hate Fairyland. He's been writing and drawing for a long time, so he's definitely trying to, um, you know, branch out a little bit. And Middle West for me is is undoubted masterpiece so far. Just thoroughly, thoroughly wonderful book. So, um, I do wonder with Strange Academy if there's going to be a companion title to it at some point called Stark Academy. Um, since they're eternal rivals <laughs> and they're both uh, arrogant enough to want their name above a school. <laughs> so uh, I'll be curious to see if there's like a Stark Academy comes out soon. I think that, that would be a painful read. But it'll be, <laughs> out for, it'll be for scientists and, yeah. you know, engineers rather Futurists. than magicians. Exactly. So, um, so you're, you're welcome yeah. for that pitch, Marvel, by the way. <laughs> Here's a question. Do you, think it's, um, do you think Strange Academy is sort of aimed at younger readers? I don't. I don't know. Um, I mean, I think that's maybe what, uh, you know, the, why can I not keep that title of that book in my head? Outlawed. Outlawed. (laughs) (laughs) Outlawed seems to focus on the champions, which are a younger team. Um, There are a lot of younger heroes here. I mean, there's, there's a couple of other books later on um, that, that are, uh, are younger characters. Um, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm gonna pick up the first issue and see what the crack is with it. Maybe okay. they are. What do you reckon? Sort of get to younger readers, get them in early instead of always just these kid ones. And because I I know a couple of friends from work that are trying to get sort of one guy's got a ten year old like godson that he wants to try and get into comics. So stuff like this would be good for me to go right. 
here's one for your godson. Let's sort of get him on it. And I'm trying to get him to get a pool list with us right now. So yeah. <laughs> I'm working my way, working on him. So I get a few people in. Like he said, he popped in the other day, which he didn't tell me about, so I could pre-warn Alan to. Mm. But he said he picked up some good stuff. He managed to get get his free one. He, he had his loyalty card, so ah, he's cool. like. It's interesting you mention it actually, Roddy, because if you look uh, on the previews books, the Marvel previews book, um, you see that they rate um, all of the books as sort of parental advisory or T plus, which I guess is teenage plus. You know, maybe slightly. Uh, a lot of the books are rated T plus, but that particular book is rated T. So ah, cool. No, it's just just yeah. kind of a thing I was thinking about while looking through it there, especially with like Middle West and Scotty Young, like kind of. I think maybe there is definitely a market because in comics it's always you know something that's aimed at kids. You don't really see much for the teen market. I know DC are kind of trying stuff at the moment, but I think it's a good a great idea if they're certainly doing that. But I really, really like the look of that. Love the art. Can't, can't wait to see it. I think a book like yeah. that is is good and successful if it does work on different levels, and therefore it is still good for, you know, people who are long term fans. The Marvel Universe they get enough out of it as well as, as you say, attracting new maybe younger readers. So, um, yeah, I mean we're always trying to get books into a store that can uh, can appeal to younger readers. So I'm sure that'll that'll fit the bill. Um, yeah. So that was the sort of our first round of picks. Um. I'm going to move on to throw another one of mine. This is one that was announced uh, in mid-December, and I've actually been really looking forward to seeing more of it. Um, and this is Decorum, number one. Uh, so Decorum is a new image title. I believe it's going to be an ongoing. Uh, the reason that I am looking forward to this so much is... So I've done my picks for DC. I've done my picks for Marvel, and I needed one more for the board. So I grabbed the large previews book, which is always the indie one. And I looked at the front cover and went, oh, Decorum, oh, Jonathan Hickman, don't even need to look inside, there's my pick. Uh, Hickman, who, as we all know, is doing tremendous work with the X-Men at the moment, um, responsible, in my eyes, for easily one of the top three titles of last year with House and Powers. Um, so Decorum is him returning to his indie roots. Uh, it's still very mysterious what it's about. I've looked up a couple of different articles and they all just have this same blurb that is in the previous book itself, uh, which is, there are many assassins in the known universe. This is the story of the most well-mannered one. Manners are a sensitive awareness of the feelings of others. If you have that awareness, you have good manners, no matter what knife you use. Uh, the preview page art for this is utterly, utterly gorgeous. Um, colors are insane. Got a very dreamlike quality to it. Um, but also got a very sci-fi tinge design as well, based on the cover. Yeah, and those wraparound covers are very sci-fi. Yeah. Um, again, Hickman is one of the masters in comics of world building, so anything that he starts off, I'm going to be in interested in straight away. Uh, I have a feeling this is going to be a big indie title this year, the same way Undiscovered Country kicked off as a big title last year for the indie mm -hmm. market. Um, I would highly recommend jumping on this if it's even halfway as good as the house and power stuff because it's been truly exceptional as well uh he also did another great title called east of west which uh, i always recommend to people as manga meets western um which is a really great title as well so it recently finished up so now that it has i think that's why he's moving on to a new title so this um this to me certainly feels like the biggest biggest number one in a while 
I know Undiscovered Country was very big, but this feels like it's going to be something very special, especially with Hickman just coming off uh, Pars and House and Pars, and he's working on X Men now. This just, I think it'll be something very special. See that uh, the little, if you like the expansive <laughs> the expansive word building of House and Pars of X, then this is right up your street. It's like the laziest <laughs> style of a blurb ever. It's almost as lazy as this other one they each did, which is. With Image calling it the combination of the high-impact event-level storytelling of Hickman's recent in re-envisioning of the X-Men and the sprawling, addictive world-building of the recently concluded East of West. So you just took his two most recent titles and went, if you like these, you'll like this. <laughs> you know, a little bit, little bit lazy there, I have to say. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, we anyone who's listened to this before, anyone who pops in the store knows how big a fan we are of Image titles. And this looks like it's going to be another home run. Um, so I will massively look forward to that. Again, I think orders now are going to be big, so don't miss out on that one. So that is decorum number one. I'm in. Uh, we have another image title, uh, this time coming from Vicky. Yep, it's Stealth. So before sort of like reading the blurb and sort of, they'd always do sort of a page from the actual comic and it's sort of caught my eye and it just made me think of the falcon from marvel and it was just like i kind of read into it and it sort of piqued my interest a bit more so i was sort of just reading into it and obviously with image they do a lot of number ones which we always like try the number ones first and then sort of go from there um but with image you can't you don't really go too far wrong with them which is I think why image do so well um but this one um we blurb it says for decades stealth has waged war on crime in detroit but now he has taken his pursuit of justice too far only reporter tony barber barber knows that bar- sorry um knows that behind stealth's recklessness behavior is an older man battling alzheimer's his father a father unwilling to accept that he is no longer the hero that the city needs, with enemies all too eager to force his retirement. And sort of underneath it, it sort of says... got some heavyweights there creating this. So it's... Like, the creative team behind it is Robert Kirkman, which also piqued my interest, obviously... That's what got me about this. Yeah, but it's written by Mike... Mike Costa. Costa and... Mm, Big G.I. Joe writer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, sort of, we've seen Robert Kirkman's name sort of in the creative team. I kind of sort of was like, <coughs> thought it would be quite a good one to mm. sort of get on and sort of knowing yeah. that yeah. it's only a man that's an older guy that's trying to sort of, was once a, a hero, is now sort of struggling with something as crippling as Alzheimer's, yeah. which obviously is a horrible disease that like many others but um it just sort of seems like that it's nice to see something that's going into something like that and mm-hmm. sort of going like sort of trying to help each other and we'll see where it goes yeah, it's nice that it's sort of superhero based but might have something to say a bit of a message um it kind of reminds me a little bit of do you remember an old mark miller series starlight yeah. And it was all about like the older hero who, when he was young, everybody looked oh, at him. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, no one believed him that he was taken off and he saved the alien worlds and then they put him back on Earth. It's got that kind of wee tinge to it. I think this has the potential to be a little more 
tragic, yeah. I think. Um, it's interesting because it says created by Robert Kirkman and Mark Silvestri, uh, two of the creators of Image Comics, yeah. two of the founders. Um, but it's written by Mike Costa. Mike Costa. So, I mean, did, is it, did Kirkman and Silvestri come up with the concept and then go, where you go, Mike? run with that sounds like that kind of thing i mean it's interesting i mean kirkman is a name that sells comics but he doesn't put his name around too much he doesn't put Mm -hmm. his name to loads you know kirkman at the moment all he's got really on the go is oblivion song um there's another title that he's bringing back which we'll talk about apparently he's got another mystery title coming out as well Mm -hmm. mystery title as well and then he's obviously helping to sort of co-create but maybe maybe they're just not spearheading it maybe it's similar to how hickman did dawn of x and then he's like the head of X. But here you go, mm. guys. You go and write the stories yeah. and create the stuff. So it could be something along those lines. But though it's interesting, you know the, um, yeah, that says uh, you know if you what does it say Dead Eyes? That's the yeah. Uh, Dead Eyes was the one that was Dead Rabbit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dead Rabbit. That's the one. Yeah, that's what I thought. Cool. This is actually um, was just looking it up there. It's going to be a film as well. Um, in this in the vein of. Uh, what do you, uh, Mark Miller, Miller World. Obviously, this is not Mark Miller, but it's um, there's going to be a film which is being developed by Universal Pictures, um, Oscar-nominated Lee Daniels directing. So should be pretty cool. Sweet, cool. Yeah. So so yeah, six-issue miniseries. That one, Stealth Number One. Writer Mike Costa. Artist is Nate Bellegarde and Tamara Bonvillain. What a name! <laughs> Gets it every time. <laughs> Um, yep, so that was stealth number one. Mm. So we're on to yourself again, Roddy. Awesome. Um, so another DC recommendation, if you please. Well, I could tie it in because uh, Dan, Dan Waters is um, the writer on this one. And he's been having a, I think him and sort of Ram V are writers on the up. They've done some work with DC. I know Dan Waters did. He's done some Sandman Universe stuff. Lucifer, and he's done, he's yeah, maybe. And he did, I think he did an Ocean Master, Year of the Villain as well. Um, but yeah, this one is one I haven't read because it's there's a lot of good stuff in Image recently. There's there's not in this book, it's not just number ones of single issues. There's loads of great volume ones of graphic novels. And this, this one is my pick. It's called Coffin Bound, volume one by Dan Waters. And the artist is Danny. Um, haven't read this one. But you have, Alan, so I maybe have. if you want to take it away, you'd oh, be my guest. No, don't you try and wing it over to me. <laughs> um, no, I'll, uh, I'll let you lead point on this. I just, um, this was one of the ones, I think we always, like, as trying to pick something as comic readers, you're, in a way, you're spoiled for choice with so much stuff. And some stuff, some books just pass you by, unfortunately. You can't get everything. Um, and if you did, you'd be broke. <laughs> Um, but yeah, this this one looks really good, and obviously the image structure is perfect because you get a volume one not so long after the first four issues that come out in this case. So this collects Coffin Bound number one to four. Izzy Tyburn has promised the world that if it won't have her in it, it'll have nothing of her at all. Chased by an unstoppable killer, she's retreading her life, leaving nothing behind but burned rubber, ash and the sun-scorched bones of those who get in her way. Ride shotgun on an existential road trip through the tangle of blood-splattered life. <laughs> Mad Max Fury Road meets Neil Gaiman's The Sandman in this full-throttle grindhouse fantasy epic. Reminds me of... Um, when I look at the art, it reminds me of... Um, what do you call him? Russ Meyer? Do you ever know the mm-hmm. faster pussycat yeah, yeah, kill-kill kill kill thing? 
Um, love the look of it. I love Danny's art. Any art I've seen from her is just fantastic. And there's loads of great pull quotes from loads of very talented people like Neil Gaiman and Kieran Gillen and Warren Ellis. Um, yeah, I just think it looks, it looks like bonkers, I think but it, in a good way. I think it'll read better in trade. I I have read it and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm a I'm a big David Lynch fan when it comes to movies. This to me is what David Lynch would do if he had a comic book. <laughs> um, it's full of weird nightmarish imagery, um, non-linear structure. The artist, uh, the artist would remind you of the likes of Eduardo Risso or oh, Leandro cool. Fernandez, who, yeah. who does Old Guard. Um, it's got that sort of same style, lots of shadows with sort of you know eyes standing out and stuff like that. There are one or two scenes in it that will make you flinch. It is quite grotesque in places. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I couldn't really compare it to much. You know, usually when you read a comic, you <laughs> yeah. can say like... You get the blurb. That reminds me of this, <laughs> or that reminds me of this. It says Mad Max. It, it reminded me more of a Lynch movie called Wild at Heart. Oh, yeah. Okay. Nicolas Cage yeah. and uh, Laura Dern. It's like that mixed with Twin Peaks. Um, so wow. So you either know you're gonna like it or you're not. Yeah, it's it's, fu- it's funny because uh, some some books we pick, we're like everyone will probably enjoy that. You yeah, know, like stealth. Is, I think everyone could, but this is acquired. But those yeah. who like it will love it. I mean, there's not a lot of comics I read where I'll read them and then I'll suddenly search out articles on them. Mm-hmm. I did with this, and I wanted to learn more about it and learn more about what the writer was trying to do and. You know the artist and their history and stuff like that. So, so do you think they need a a coffin bound podcast like Chernobyl <laughs> and Watchmen have done? <laughs> they might just, they might just, um, but I don't think they'd explain everything anyway. It's I think it's, it's meant to be interpretive. Those, yeah. yeah, but uh, yeah, I'll, I I think it'll read great in trade form though. I have to say. So, yeah. So, Coffin Bound Volume One, Happy Ashes, which also gives me hope that there will be a Volume Two. Um, because usually they would just say trade paperback rather than volume one. So, uh, cool. Um, so we started off this round of recommendations with Jonathan Hickman. I believe we're going to finish with Jonathan Hickman. That is correct. Um, so last month, Marvel announced uh, Giant Size X-Men. Uh, it's the latest addition to their expanding lineup of X-Men titles spinning out of Hickman's reboot of the line. Um, so... Giant Size X-Men is billed as a series of, I think, five one-shots teaming Hickman with all-star artists. The first one-shot featured a team-up between um, Hickman and Russell Dodderman, who was Jason Aaron's contemporary on uh, some of his Thor stuff. Uh, I think I may have mentioned that a time or two. Jason Aaron on Thor? Just yeah, once. that's right, yeah. Um, so that was a team-up between Emma Not Frost anymore. and... Not uh, anymore. Emma Frost and Jean Grey. And so they've released details of the second one-shot, which finds Hickman teaming up with... Uh, Ben Oliver, who was the artist on Ultimate X-Men, and um, I think... Uh, oh I've God. always known him more as a cover artist. Ultimate X-Men, and he was also on something else that I can't quite remember. <laughs> but anyway, um, and it's focusing on a signature member of Krakoa's Quiet oh, Council. And you should be able to that think about is, it. You have a complete run of it. That is Magneto. Um, you have a complete run of something else he worked on? Thunderbolts, of course. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Um, so the story details of the second of these uh, five giant size X Men one shots seem to be that, you know, Magneto was an unrelenting champion of mutant kind. 
once again finds himself leading a mutant nation, but this time he is all of mutant kind, including the X-Men, standing at his side instead of standing against him. He's determined to make this new dream of Krakoa prosper. Uh, Magneto must now make dealings with his former sworn enemy, humanity. So this is going to be interesting. We know that Magneto is a one-time enemy, one-time teacher, on-again, off-again sort of member of the team. Um, But, you know, throughout Hickman's run, he has been by Xavier's side uh, in the formation of Krakoa. And I'm just not 100% sure that we've seen Magneto's true agenda yet. No, he's been very much a background character and you know, towing the line quite a bit well, as well. exactly that. He has been towing the line, and, and I'm not sure if that's just because finally he and Xavier are seeing ATI on, 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 on how they're doing things. Or whether he has a more long-term Or whether farm. exactly that, you know. And So I, I'll be interested to see. I mean, this would be this one shot would be a good time for Hickman to maybe let, that, let the, old, the old bucket helmet slip. Um, and we'll maybe see what uh, see what's going on there. Um, I feel bad. I feel like I'm talking about Magneto behind his bag. <laughs> um, Sorry, I don't think he listens to this podcast. <laughs> so yeah, um, Hickman on more more X Men stuff can't be can't be a bad thing. So that's um, X Men Giant Size Magneto number one. It's a one shot. Just a one shot. Cool. Um, yeah. So we go away from uh, Marvel and onto DC because, of course, we're back to me now. Uh, even though I've recommended Marvel and Indy so far, it's a DC clean sweep from here on in for me. Uh, the first title you'll be shocked to know is Batman, uh, Batman number 90. The reason for this is not so much uh, the writer, because Tinian, we haven't seen what he's going to do with Batman yet. As I say, we're recording this on the 3rd. Next week, uh, Wednesday is the 8th, we get the first taste of um, James Tinian's Batman with Batman 86. But the reason I wanted to throw out a recommendation for 90 is that George Jimenez, who's been the artist on a lot of Justice League, is taking over to do a run on Batman for the first time. And based on the cover imagery he's released so far, this is ex- really exciting. He's done Gotham in a very steampunky way, airships, you know, lights everywhere, gorgeous colours, whoever it is on it as well. But what I also like about it, based on the blurb, is that... Um, it would have been easy for Tinian to come in and do Batman and just rely on established villains, but he seems to have created one of his own. And this is what I always thought was one of the best things about um, Schneider's run when he did Court of Owls. He created his own villain, his own legacy. So this one seems to deal with someone called the designer. Um, so yeah, Batman 90 looks like it'll be a good starting point for people. A uh, little blurb on it is the mysterious master criminal known only as the designer once brought together Gotham City's greatest criminals to plot the perfect crime. And now his plan has been unleashed upon the city in all its might. Batman will go to any length to uncover the grand design, but Catwoman is the one who holds the greatest secret. If Batman wins against the designer, he will lose everything. So it also throws in the idea of further examination of Batman and Catwoman's relationship, which is going to be a holdover from Tom King's run as well. Um, you know, I've said, I've chatted with Keith quickly a little bit before this podcast, saying how much I enjoyed Donny Cates' Thor. Uh, but he has carried over things from Jason Aaron's Thor run. And I think that's important rather than just being, oh, I'm a new creator, this is brand new, ignore everything that came before. Yeah, well, I suppose they do. If they really wanted to do that, they could just go, here's slap a new number one on it, you know? Yeah, Instead well, that's it. So so Tinian's already said he will be examining further elements from King's run. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing what so he has in store. 90, you're saying, was in jumping on point. So, so 86 to 89 all... is going to be one 
storyline mm-hmm. and then 90 is going to be the start of a new storyline oh, okay so i think okay. what tinian's doing is you know king's run was very much you needed to read the whole thing mm-hmm. you just did it was one big story i think what tinian uh, seems to be doing is doing sort of three or four issue story arcs and then giving people continuous jumping on points rather than you're either with me from the start or you're not on this so i think that's clever uh, at this point after such a long run where you did need to sort of collect it all so um so yeah that was me that was batman 90 so we're back to me and it's another indie title which dun, dun, dun. but it's boom this time and it is once in future volume one um the trade because let's be honest it's a fantastic read and who doesn't like a crazy granny? What a book. <laughs> <laughs> what does that collect in the first <coughs> six issues? It's, um, yeah, first six. So, um, but what I like about, sort of, I read it when it comes out pretty much straight away. But I was reading sort of the blurbs and they obviously they always get people to review it in sort of short sentences. This one I had to like was, if you aren't reading this series, you'll probably... You probably need to rethink your life choices. I thought that was just fantastic because <laughs> it's it's just it's fun. It takes you completely away from what your everyday today life is, like because you don't expect your granny to be wielding a sword around. Because let's be honest, I know my <laughs> nan can barely get herself up. That's then. what you think. Well, yeah, we never know what my nan's doing. So um. <laughs> you don't <laughs> make my granny. <laughs> There's Tamara Bond villain again on this one with yep. she's colorist again. She's starting to become the Jordy Belair. Yeah, sure she everyone. she did uh, Alien Three as well. So. Uh-huh. But um, with yes. Johnny Christmas. Yeah, what a team. <laughs> <laughs> so Alan was telling me before the podcast started that um, this was recommended last month, and but I wasn't here last month. So <laughs> 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 that's just Vicky proving she doesn't listen to the podcast if she's not on it. I don't listen to it when I am on it, so <laughs> I'm not going to sit there and deny it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, once in future, we've we've talked to at length and to death, and again, we can't recommend enough. Just one of the great sort of series that Boom is is churning out at the moment. Just read issue five last night; it was awesome. Again, mm-hmm. what's interesting with the trade is when Once in Future was first released, it was going to be a six issue miniseries. So this is essentially what the miniseries was. But they've obviously, Karen Gillen is happy to continue the story. So it'll be interesting to see where it leaves off because we haven't quite reached issue six yet. Um, but it, it's interesting because obviously with issue one, obviously it went to six printing, was it? Seven. So, oh, seven printing. So obviously it it was obviously in demand. But so it was not Boom's biggest selling title last year. Does anyone want to venture a guess it was? was? Something is killing the children. Some, something is killing the children. <laughs> okay, I'll leave that to you. It only went to five printings, but it must have been bigger print runs because it was announced as the biggest selling uh, boom title last year. But with <laughs> with that, obviously, it showed that people were wanting it for how many people obviously were if it to go to seven printings to show that <coughs> people were after it, even sort of not really caring what printing it was. We were lucky enough to manage to keep hold of our issue, which I was very much glad about because we are. Do we still have a first print of it? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> we do have two variants as well, <laughs> both signed by Kieran Gill. Uh, yeah, big fans want some future. So if you haven't, you know, been fortunate enough to jump on it from the start, and we haven't wore you down enough yet, buy the trade. 
Which is out in March. Which is out in March. March 25th. <laughs> um, I mean, normally we would be going on to Roddy next for the next one. We may as well throw it to you, Keith, then, because your next recommendation ties into Once in Future Volume 1. Well, yeah, as if we don't uh, talk about it enough. Uh, <laughs> my, <laughs> my recommendation picks up exactly where Vicky has left off with uh, a wee book by Kieran Gillen and Dan Mora, <laughs> um, and that's Once in Future number 7. And the reason, the reason I have pulled this out is because exactly what Alan was saying is that the the book was originally solicited for six issues as a miniseries and um, obviously the popularity of it and the willingness of the writer to continue means that it will be continuing into uh, into at least another arc at least I would imagine at least 12 issues yeah uh, now at this stage so um, I'm not uh, I'm not gonna spoil anything with a with a description yeah um, but it looks like we're still along the same lines. Uh, artifacts, British Museum, you know. Kick-ass um, crannies. Kick-ass crannies. So <laughs> yeah, they're both out <laughs> the same day as well. So March 25th. So if you did want to jump on to it at number seven, you know, pick up the trade. And then if you enjoy it, number mm-hmm. seven. And great, uh, I'll say Bridget and Duncan are just fantastic characters, the pair of them, the relationship between them. So yeah, worth uh, worth picking up. Roddy, over to yourself. All right, so hopefully this one was worth a wee bit of an extra weight. Um, <laughs> this one, uh, surprise, surprise, uh, Children of the 80s. This one is from IDW this time. We are going uh, the ultimate crossover. I don't know. You, you can decide that one. But this is Transformers versus Terminator, number one. Uh, this is a four-issue <laughs> miniseries. You know, calm yourself, Keith. <laughs> Um, but yeah, this is written by David Marriott, John Barber, and Tom Waltz, like veteran uh, IDW writers and editor. I believe John Barber is the head of IDW. And Alex Milne, who's, um, I know he's done work on Transformers Unicron and a couple of other Transformers books. Um, yeah, like, do I need to talk about this? Um, you know what you're getting. It's going to be, I think it'll be cheesy. Of course it's going to be. Will anything get resolved? Don't know, but it'll be cool. Um, oh, it's, an, it's an interesting one because Aaron was in the store today and I told him about this title and he went, what's the point in that? That's such a one-sided battle. That it, why is this even a versus? And I was like, right, for which side? And he went, clearly the Transformers would win this, no problem. I oh, don't really, know. you think? I mean, a Terminator yeah. can't be bargained with. Yeah. It can't be reasoned with. But is the Terminator... doesn't feel pity or remorse <laughs> yeah. or fear. Yeah, but how can it cause And it absolutely that? will not stop. <laughs> Until you're oh, dead. so we know what side you're on. <laughs> Jeez. Um, but yeah, anyway, so Skynet versus Cybertron. Alan's obviously on the Skynet side. Um, 1984, <laughs> when a deadly race of machines emerged from another time. the same year Terminator came out. Yeah. Transformers uh, movie, was that 84 or was that later? No, Transformers movie is a bit later, but cartoon could have started around that time. Um but yeah, um, what I found interesting was when a deadly race of machine machines emerge from another time, will a robotic guardian be able to protect the Earth from a dire future or will the T-800 fail in his mission to prevent the world from becoming a plaything to the Decepticons? So Interesting. It, so it's on Earth. That's it's the twisted first it all point. around. Yeah. So is it... Yeah, is it a Transformer as a Terminator coming to Earth? I don't know. It sounds, it sounds really it interesting. Sounds like Skynet <coughs> is employing a T eight hundred to protect the Earth from mm-hmm. Decepticons, the Transformers, yeah. Yeah, Decepticons. You know, 
Uh, interesting. Because I thought, yeah, when I um when I, I heard it announced, I was like, okay, cheesy, a bit of a cheesy crossover, but <laughs> the story sounds class. I'm really really excited to see where it goes and. Um, if you get the chance to go into the store and look at the previous book, the uh, cover is phenomenal. Um, I think it, Gavin Fullerton did the cover. It's um, it's basically uh, Optimus Prime, but underneath is the T-800 exoskeleton, and they sort of battle damaged. It looks really, really cool. And the, the team of writers, Roddy? Mm-hmm. Um, John Barber is the editor-in-chief of IDW. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom Waltz is the manager of creative development and the senior editor at IDW. So they've got they've they've, they've pulled out I some of their David Marriott's an editor as well. It's like a oversized thing. first yeah. issue as well, thirty six pages. Yeah, so uh, it should be really good. Um, uh, Alex Milne is a really good artist as well. I've loved his art. He, I think he did. I'm not entirely sure, but he might have done Transformers versus Rom. If you've ever heard of that, eighties <laughs> classic Rom. Rom Rom the Space Knight. Yes, indeed. Who. Uh, was a Marvel character for some time, wasn't he? I think Marvel had the rights to him, but then I don't, it sort I don't of know what his his lineage is. Yeah. Um, Might have been at the time when Marvel had the rights to Transformers, yeah, as well. and GI Joe and all. So, but yeah, looking looking forward to it. Really enjoying. I I love stuff like this. I love the way comics can do that. You know, you can get your Batman versus Turtles or Power Rangers versus Turtles, yeah. and with varying degrees of seriousness. Alex Milna is. Veteran Transformers artist, Energon, yeah. Transformers Armada, More Than Meets the Eye, G.I. Joe versus Transformers, Transformers Spotlights, Transformers Timelines, Trans- Transformers Megatron Origin, Red Reign of Starscream, everything, everything Transformers. Yeah. Everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you are. Excellent. So that cool. is Transformers versus Terminator, uh, for issue miniseries in which the Terminator will ultimately win. <laughs> Anyway, uh, yeah, so back on to myself with a DC recommendation. I'm not even going to speak for more than 30 seconds because series of the, of 2019, Superman Up in the Sky is collected in hardcover. Buy it. On okay. You have, me, you have me convinced. Um, yeah. You've, you've spoken about this. I can't, I, I've, I can't say any more of it without spoiling <laughs> stuff, but, I mean, Superman Up in the Sky, written by Tom Kane. Of course, I'll just be referred to as a, as a fanboy. I don't really care. Um, Andy Kubert, art six-issue miniseries. Honestly, some of the best writing I've, I've read in comics in the last decade. I tell you what got me. You said once it was your it's going to be your go-to Superman, Superman absolutely. Uh, book to recommend people. 100%. And I was like, well, okay. Superman's a hard character to recommend to people because I think <sighs> Superman is so overpowered. He's so, no, he's easy, Alan. He's, he's easy. Not. He's not because Superman is so overpowered that it's hard to, it's hard to always recommend a story where there are enough obstacles put in his way where you're rooting for him, not sure whether he will achieve what he needs to. Uh, other than oh, here's a block of kryptonite. You know, he isn't a, a ridiculously great character if written well, which I suppose is true of any character. But I think Superman, more than most, needs a great writer. And obviously, I'm a, a big Tom Kane fan, but Superman Up in the Sky is just honestly phenomenal. And for me, and we keep joking about doing an end-of-year mm. mammoth-length podcast. If we do it, we do it. But if we don't, this is my series of last year. Well, it was honestly that good. Tell you what, I'd have another Superman title in there. Over Christmas, I read uh, Man... Is a Man in Superman? Oh, that's fantastic Oh, my well. God, Yeah absolutely gorgeous yeah, it's it, it's Marvel between thing. uh secret identity and that they would be my t- and four all seasons as well they'd be my superman titles to recommend but i was blown away by that so um, and that was your recommendation 
I think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, looking forward to Up in the Sky. Yeah, um, talking about great writers and Superman, Bendis is still doing a fantastic job on action comics <laughs> and, and on Superman. See, Superman 18, just to turn this into a very quick reviews podcast, <laughs> if you've read 18, The Reveal. Yes. Right, so that whole issue, well, 85% of that issue was up there with best stuff of the year. The last four pages were so unnecessary. So the, so the crux of the latest issue of Superman, spoilers, of course, is that Superman has finally decided why am I you know, keeping a, a secret identity? Lois can handle herself. My son is part of the Legion of Superheroes. You know, all the people close to me, he, he, he always kept... My parents sec- are dead unless Doomsday Clock. Um, <laughs> you know, he's, he always had a secret identity to protect the people he loves, but he doesn't need to do that anymore. So he decides to reveal it all. And I mean, one of the best pages of any comic of last year is the page where he tells Perry. Completely wordless, done in shadow. Perry stressed, his heart rate's going through the roof. He goes in to tell him. No dialogue whatsoever. He just literally opens up the shirt, shows him the, the crest. Um, Perry's taking it back, but then he gets up and gives him a really warm hug. So this whole issue was all about Superman coming to terms with being able to tell the truth. And it ended with four pages of people basically going, Ha ha, Lex, how did you not know this? I thought it was so pointless, the last four pages. And it, and it made it all about Lex not knowing, rather than Clark revealing it. And it really bugged me. I think that should have been the first four pages of the next issue. It just seemed like a bit of a cheap ending for me. But I don't know. Maybe I'm on my own. I must have missed those last four pages. <laughs> Do you not remember? No, I didn't remember. I've read so much stuff over so Christmas. So in the last four pages, he's Apex Lex. And he actually devolves back to his normal Lex. Because Grodd says, Ha, Luther, he was under your nose the whole time. How could you not know this? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. I don't just don't remember it lasting four pages. And I just think to myself, that was so unnecessary. Mm. It should have just been an entire issue about Clark and about Superman. Um, but again, that maybe that's just me reading too much into it. Anyway, back well, to well. I mean, I think, I think that. Um, I mean, the whole point of if I'm the secret identity or if heroes having a secret identity is to protect the people around them. Um, unless you watch Watchmen the series, in which case they have a slightly different theory. Um, but uh, so I think in that episode, therefore, it's necessary to show the reaction of the individual from whom he is protecting those people mm-hmm. using that identity. So, yeah. well, as good as Bendis's run is, it's not as good as Superman Up in the Sky. <laughs> <laughs> Superman Up in the Sky, hardcover, out in March. No, buy it's it. not. It's April. Out in April. Buy it. <laughs> Thanks, Vicky. You're welcome. Vicky, what have you got? I've got another indie title. I'm surprised Alan hasn't said shocker because. Not saying a word. <laughs> he looked at me in disgust yesterday when I quickly flicked through our pile of DC comics and then went, oh, when it came to Marvel or indie picks that were my ones. Sorry, you'll develop taste over time. I haven't read DC Comics <laughs> in uh, nearly seven years if we've been together, so I don't think that we'll start well, now. Well, we've been together nearly eight. I haven't been reading comics for eight <laughs> years, so I think... Uh, shush. <laughs> anyway, so my next one is actually a Dark Horse comic, which is one a sort of a publisher that I don't really go to that much because sort of I stick to either Image or sort of going on to boom lately so it's always been sort of image that has always been my sort of indie picks but 
sort of there, as there was a lot of stuff coming out in Image, I was more drawn to these ones that were in um, Dark Horse and Boom. So this one is um, Starship Down. It's a it's um, four issue miniseries, and it's by Justin Jam Poali. Jam Poali, I think that is. Yeah, you've got some great names here. Uh, Andrea Muti on art and cover, and Vladimir Popov, Obviously colorist. You guys know these names probably a lot better than I do. We've known your comics a lot better than <laughs> I'm me. Not sure we do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being pointed at and laughed at and everything here. <laughs> well, anyway, <laughs> so it's about um sort of there's a. Sort of the humans have found a ship under ice, and um, it's a the anthropologist um, consultant of the U.S. Naval Intelligence to investigate the discovery discovery of an extraterrestrial ship buried under the ice for thousands of years in Sib- Siberia. The meddling Russians, Vatican, Vatican officials. Yeah. officials the international media spotlight and her own insecurities all threaten her efforts to keep the fabric of the society from crumbling. So it's obviously finding this possibly new race or how something was start like something that started. Um, that looks really interesting. Who invited the bloody Vatican officials? That's what I want to know. <laughs> well, the, if this will disprove religion, if something existed mm. before, then you see. So. You know they stand to lose a lot of money. That mm. that uh, that seems to be the crux of it. Uh, you know her subsequent journey through the world of politics, military intelligence, foreign affairs. Um, you know it's a story about you know all of those all of those things, and as you say, religion. Um, interesting. I uh, had looked at that and passed over it, and now I'm looking at it again and going <laughs> put that on my pull list. There's yeah, there's something about um, alien ask about it, alien I was thinking thing, Prometheus, Prometheus yeah. yeah, and the thing, of course. Yeah, oh. can't go wrong with that. No, the thing is good, so. Um, just just to back up on a point about you reading <laughs> uh, comics only for seven years and not eight. When did Saga start? March twenty twelve. We went together in March 2012. <laughs> Question isn't when Saga started, it's when it's going to continue. <laughs> it's going to come this back. Yeah, this is something that this is... is um, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Dark Horse seemed to... Four always seems to be their magic numbers with miniseries. Yeah. They always do four-issue minis. Um, so they do, and just seeing even the cover there at the bottom, it's got that a real sort of novel-type yeah, quality to it. looks cool, doesn't um, it? I really like it with the title and big, big letters taking up almost half the half the front It's cover. like an old-school science fiction novel yeah. by the looks of it. That's exactly yeah. what it looks like. Yes. What also brought my, my eye to it, because it said, like, Gem and a Mom, so I was like, well, if they're recommending it... It's Easily led. <laughs> and? <laughs> yeah. No, it does look good, though, and good, and the... Artwork sort of preview Dark pages are pretty have, sweet uh, as well. They've come. I wouldn't say they were behind at all, but they've they've had a really good couple of months. I think with new releases, I really enjoyed the Butcher of Paris and. Um, I've still got that on my pile to read. So um, yeah, I've got a bit to catch up, but. The other one they're doing, um, the other number one, looks really good. X-ray robots, also Can't one of four. Throw so in bonus. I picks, am. Ronnie. I'm just uh, just to back Ooh. up my point. Okay. But um, <laughs> just say. With you saying that, actually, it's from the Madman's Mike Allred has um. No, no, it's from Silver Surfer's Mike no. Allred. 
my <laughs> mum's. Yeah. I've read my mum's. I haven't read yeah. uh, Silver Surfer, but yeah, um, his uh, art style is fantastic, and he's actually writing it and coloring or drawing the uh, that um, X. Writing X-ray. artist and cover. Yeah, could get on board. Is that it it's X-ray robot it's number one again of four. Wife on colors, isn't it, Laura? Ah, is uh, Laura Yeah, it is. Also of Silver Surfer fame. Yeah, that's yeah. a Dan Slot one. Isn't Dan it? Slot, yeah. yeah. That is definitely uh, white or red. So <laughs> that might be one that's going. I mean, on. I'm sorry to change to <laughs> change the structure here and go to something else. I'm sorry. <sighs> have to be winging it. Yeah. I'm is sorry. it because it, it's another gem of the month, buddy? Is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're easily <laughs> led. <laughs> what have you got, Roddy? What have I got? <laughs> he's forgotten so <laughs> one no i've got a tab and all ready and waiting um so from one sci-fi title to another the uh, one tab in the whole book <laughs> <laughs> what can i say i'm prepared um so this one i'm going for a vault title um been really enjoying their output as well recently um so this one is called no one's rose and what caught my eye about this is um it's a solar punk book and I don't know if anyone around the table knows what solar punk is. Educate us. No. Um, so <laughs> solar punk um, is a genre of sci-fi that's um, obviously, as you know, a lot of science fiction is dystopian. Some might say the majority of it is. Uh, solar punk is utopian. It looks, um, it uses. Um, stuff like uh the environment and green energy to look towards a brighter future and that's the sort of goal it's all about optimism and hope it's not mm-hmm. about uh like you know big aliens End killing our society you know yeah, yeah. uh so it's based on optimism and i i haven't seen like i i don't want to throw in the thing about my own work but i had a solar punk story in tales of fractured worlds which was all about science fiction and the environment so this one really caught my eye i was like that is a really cool idea for a comic and um like the creators zach thompson um he was on yondu he's the writer along with emily horn and i know he's done a really cool series called come into me as well um really great sort of indie writer and i like what vault are doing they're just picking really great creators and just giving them freedom to go and do whatever and the artist is alberto albuquerque and the colorist is Raul Angulo. Um, so yeah, centuries after the fall of the Anthropocene, the last vestiges of human civilization are housed in a massive domed city powered by the renewable energy known as the Green Zone. Inside lives teenager Ten Gavrilo, a brilliant bioengineer who could rebuild the planet. But there's one problem. Her resentful brother, Saren, is eager to dismantle the precarious utopia. Gorgeous and green solar punk world filled with a strange biotechnological, sorry, biotechnology, harsh superstorms and divisive ideologies, ideologies that will tear Ten and Saren down to the roots as they fight for a better earth. I think that sounds class. Um, yeah, I'm really enjoying what Falter doing. I'm loving, I just love the sort of, you're not really seeing maybe the same as coffin bound you're not really seeing books like this so i like what vault continue to do just kind of push the boundaries of what comics can be and they're very 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 um what's the word uh literal very sort of uh what's the right word they're very um it's like literary story literary yeah like, like 
obviously they did the savage shores which was had that very classic 19th century storytelling black stars above off yeah. the very strong start um so yeah no fault they're making some interesting stuff and it's it's really important certainly from a store perspective uh, if we want to guarantee you getting titles from a um a um a label like Vault, it's important to get your orders in early because they don't mm. do big print runs. Um, certainly down the line, you'll be able to get trades and so forth. You know, we've got the trade of these Savage Shores in now and things like that. But if you want to get on the single issues of it, it's always important to let us know because these guys, they don't do pre- big print runs like DC or Marvel or even Image or even Dark Horse or Boom. Um, so if you like the sound of these titles, definitely jump on them at a nice, uh, nice early rate. Uh, yeah, so that was No One's Rose from Vault Comics. Uh, another DC, I mean, indie <laughs> recommendation from Roddy. Um, now we're going to get a indie recommendation from... No, we're not. From Keith. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. <laughs> uh, so looking forward to the return of a series that I've really enjoyed by uh, an individual who we've already mentioned tonight, Mr. Robert Kirkman. Um, so we don't like to admit it, but... This is an evil world where evil people do evil stuff all the time. Thankfully, there is a secret cabal within the United States government that works outside of our normal system to influence world matters through targeted assassination. The world around us is manipulated right under our noses, mostly for the better, sometimes for individual gain. So if you're hurting people, somehow making the world worse than it already is, or even just standing in the way of something good happening, someone could be right now uh, giving the order for you to die, die, die! (laughs) (laughs) So Kirkman's uh, mystery title returns. It does indeed. So uh, Die, Die, Die is kicking off again with number nine on uh, March 18th. Um, Brand new story arc. Uh, So Senator Connie Lipschitz has taken over the cabal and will be using her vast resources to finally make the world a better place. No matter how many people have to die, die, die. Uh, Meanwhile, former, uh, he was a former security advisor, Barnaby, He's on the run, and uh, his journey is going to take him to some very dark places. But thankfully, you can only have your nose cut off once. Um, really looking forward to the return of Die, Die, Die. Yeah, die. I mean, the uh, the first trade is out of that already. It's a, it's actually an oversized trade. When when Die, Die, Die came out, it went, the first arc was eight issues in total. Um, yes, it is on our bookshelf here. I see you looking around. Uh, no, I was just... Um, it's more the fact that it went to... Um, Eight issues. Yeah, it's unusual. I mean, Kirkman was one of the guys who sort of coined the image model of six issues, break, trade, six issues, break, trade. But Kirkman's always just having fun with the comic industry. He understands it. He is very playful with it. I mean, Die, 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 when it came out, no one even knew it was coming out. It was just Kirkman mystery title. And uh, people jumped on board it. Uh, a trick that Mark Miller then did, something similar with Project mm-hmm. Xmas, That's same right. sort of thing. Um, Which you were disappointed with. I was just disappointed because it wasn't Magic Order because yeah. I just want a sequel to Magic Order because <laughs> Magic Order for me is possibly Miller's best independent work. I think so. I think it's just fantastic. Oh, yeah, I agree. But yeah. um, there was something that he posted tonight on, I think it was on Twitter that I, I read re- a little while ago. And it's... um. He posted a picture of him sitting in a chair with his pad, and it's um, do you know do you have any New Year's resolu- resolutions? Mine is to finish the sequels to Jupiter's, Jupiter's Legacy, The Magic Order, Reborn, and maybe a little co- comic called Nemesis. I did a while back with Canada's Most Dangerous Man, 
Steve McNevin. So, yeah. so yeah. there's a couple on that, that list that I'm would be very happy to see this year. Like Magic Order and Reborn would be two great books. That Nemesis I as well. Nemesis was, a lot of fun. was fantastic. It yeah. was good, but like I think I need. I have we have got it in singlish yeah. form, but I think Magic Order and Reborn were the two that I have loved sort of most recently. Like Magic Order, obviously, it was just fantastic. So I'll be if those three came out this year, I'd be happy. Yeah, he's a busy man, Mark Miller. He's always got plenty on the go. So just the, just the four books he wants to get finished this year. Um, yeah, so that was Die, 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 number nine. And on to our picks of the month. Picks of the month. Um, so the book that each of us was most looking forward to from across all of the three previous books yep, for so the March 2020. For myself, I mean, this is a book that was announced, I think, a good five, six months ago. Um, that I've been really, really looking forward to. It will surprise no one, first of all, to know it is DC. It will surprise absolutely no one to know it is written by Tom Keane. And this is Tom Keane returning to sort of his 12-issue format that has worked so well for him with the likes of Mr. Miracle, the likes of Sheriff of Babylon. Um, so this is Tom Keane uh, reuniting with his Mr. Miracle artist, uh, Mitch Jaredt. Uh, and they've also got another artist on this as well called Evan Doc Shainer as well. Um, I mean, Mr. Miracle, we've talked about it before many times. We did a full book club on it. It was the first one that we did. Um, people know I'm a huge fan of it. Maybe other people not quite so much, but they still certainly respect it, I think. But, I mean, it ended up taking home five Eisner Awards. It topped many end-of-year end of lists. Um, so what I like about this one, which I should say is called Strange Adventures... Uh, which is going to focus on Adam Strange. Uh, again, this is going to be 12 issues. Tom Keane has said about this that, like Mr. Miracle, Strange Adventures is hugely ambitious. It's once again our attempt to do something like Watchmen or DC The New Frontier, a contained story that speaks to its time and also expands on what comics can be. This is the main reason I, I love Tom Keane as a writer. He is so ambitious and he always wants to better what he did before. You know, Batman, that was an 85-issue epic you know, love it or hate it, it was ambitious. Um, Mr. Miracle and Adam Strange are not exactly A-level characters that he's trying to bring to uh, the public consciousness. So, Adam Strange is... Adam Strange is a man of two worlds. He's a human hero, a human a human spacefarer. He's a hero in the foreign world of Ram, is that right? Yeah. Um, Adam, so what's interesting about this as well, I should just say, is if you go back, um, to Heroes in Crisis, there was there was a cover, I think it was, and there was a little copy of Strange Adventures on the floor. Mitch Dreads threw that in as like a little hint that this is what they were working on next. Also in the Heroes in Crisis uh, panels where the heroes get interviewed, there's a panel of Adam Strange where he says, I'm a man of two worlds, so everywhere is my home, and then blow it, and nowhere is my home. So he was, he was starting to layer in bits and pieces that this was the character he was moving on to next. Um, <clears throat> so it's going to be a 40-pager for a start, so it's already bigger than a normal issue. Um, so the Mr. Miracle team of writer Tom Keane and artist Mitch Dreads are joined by fan-favorite artist Evan Doc Shainer to bring you an epic tale in the tradition of Watchmen, The Dark Knight Returns, a story of blood, war, and love that readers will be talking about for years to come. No pressure, Tom. Uh, Adam Strange is the hero of Ran, a man famous throughout the galaxy for his bravery and honor. After leading his adopted home to victory in a great planetary war, 
Adam and his wife Alana retire to Earth, where they are greeted by cheers, awards, and parades. But not all is as happy and nice as it seems, as the decisions Adam made during Battles on Rand come back to haunt his family and threaten the entire DC universe. And now a surprised DC hero will have to choose between saving Adam Strange and saving the world. Uh, a story like no other, Strange Adventures is an ambitious, thrilling, shocking and beautiful 12-issue saga that will push Adam Strange to his breaking point and beyond. It also just looks like 1940s sci-fi to me. I I can't look forward to that enough. Well, it's interesting because, I mean, uh, if Tom King you know, and Mitch Gerrards after Mr. Murigal weren't enough to sort of attract you, with Tom King's writing, there's always so wee bit more going on. And uh, it mentions here that... Uh, and that's exactly what you said. It looks like 1940s sci-fi because Adam Strange is is one of a long line of characters like Tarzan and Flash Garden who are like um, uh, stolid, dimple-chinned heroes um, who are who 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 thrive in foreign lands. You know the Great White Hunter, uh, all of that stuff, and uh, you know those as it says here those um, those heroes are a metaphor for 19th century European imperialism mm-hmm. and colonialism, which is something that is coming to light more and more now mm-hmm. that, you know, obviously these things, there's two sides to every story, you know, so, you know, the, the person that we or that, that, that Western culture maybe sees as the great white hunter was off raping and pillaging foreign lands, you know, in lesser developed cultures and at that time, as they were called, you know, so... And, you know, we're talking about people like, people, I guess, like Churchill, you know what I mean? Who some would view as a hero and others would view as a complete bastard. Mm-hmm. Um, so I th- I think that's where we're going here, you know, and that idea of imperialism and colonialism, which is something, you know, very close to the hearts of people living in Northern Ireland. Um, <laughs> uh, so this is, I think this is, I think there's going to be something deeper going on here. I think we're, we're talking about that, those sorts of things, imperialism and colonialism and, um, the the effects that 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 have you know that has now and it's it's, it's interesting because you're seeing that now in America you know America is st- nearly a, still an imperialist colonialist society as they wage war on everybody around them we're seeing that even today in the news um in the in the uh, the mission for black gold um and then other th- you know the uh, yeah there's so there's a lot of there's a lot going on here and the 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 nature of truth you know that who's right and who's wrong, what is right and what is wrong, you know, so I think, I think there's, there's this is going to be a great book. And you thought Keith wouldn't get political in this <laughs> podcast. Um, yeah, and just one final word to say on it, you know, Keith was reading a little bit there from a, a quick interview and previews with Tom King, and the last question he's asked is, how has this story pushed your partnership with Mitch Dreads in new directions? Tom King's reply, well, we're finally off the nine panel grid, so at least he speaks to me. Every once in a while. <laughs> um, yeah, I think this is going to be massive. Um, you know, Mr. Miracle was one of those books that people missed out at the start with it. And then it was really tough to get issue one and issue two and issue three. And then you had to wait for trade. I can't recommend this enough. Um, I think this is going to be one of the books of the year. I'm, yeah, I'm excited. about Vision. Vision, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, often overlooked. Marvel really missed out not pinning Tom King down to an exclusive contract. Aren't you lucky? Oh, yes. As a Batman fan, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so that's my pick of the month. Um, again, I think this will be one of the titles of the year. Um, again, nice one. Again, no pressure at all. Uh, so, yeah, that's Strange Adventures, number one of 12. So, back to me and back to indie titles. 
and it's Boom again. So um, it's called Wicked Things. It's one of six. Um, it was just something a bit different to sort of go with um, instead of it all being sort of a bit dark and sort of sci-fi or superheroes. This one's about um, a girl that is um, she's been sort of like teen detective of the years like sort of growing up, sort of getting wards. Um, but the team that's on it um, have also been awarded like Eisner Awards. Um, it's John Allison and Max Sarin. Is that how you mm-hmm. pronounce it? Yep. Um, obviously, they've obviously um, had like sort of like comics like Giant Days. Um, so obviously they were sort of obviously worked together before. Um, and this is a new series and everyone's favourite child detective Charlotte Rott I think is that how you pronounce her name? Um, yep um, it's a 19 year old Charlotte Rott has her whole life ahead of her headed straight to Oxford and future as a real detective until she is framed for murder given the choice between going to j- jail basically forever or joining the police Lottie decides to hit the beat all, all while trying to find the real murderer Lottie may have been running rings around the police since her ninth birthday, but she'd never been on the side of the security tape. Um, could, <laughs> th- could the future of the law enforcement be five foot two with an ex- extre- um, extremely strong bang- bangs game? Yes, very <laughs> yes. So I just went for something a bit different and sort of something that would be... Like you just sort of went heard there, like sort of give you a bit of a chuckle and sort of so. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> boom, boom again. Exactly, like they just cannot the be touched. Yeah. That's what uh, John Allison says. He goes, "Wicked things is the tale I've been waiting to tell for years. Story of what happens when a precocious teen detective edges out of their division overnight." <laughs> <laughs> I like the uh, from slice of life to slice of crime. <laughs> See, we did it there. Yeah. No, it was they. They said it. Yeah, looks like I don't know the the art's fantastic and I would love love the very cartoony. Yeah, but really it really works. Yeah, it's got like a bit of a Scott <coughs> Pilgrimy vibe to it. Like mm. I'm guessing that's be the cover of the f- first issue, which um sort of it's simple but effective. Like she's looks like she's standing <laughs> behind like sh- when you've been arrested, you're standing there with your your card up in front of you, but um she's standing there, but she's got her. We Teen Detective Award, so it's something that just sort of caught my eye that was a bit different, and even like um, John Allison has done a variant cover, so obviously he draws as well as writes, which is obviously good. But um, it's sort of it's quite simple, and she looks like she's mischievous a bit. So I'm I'm looking forward to something a bit different. Excellent. So nice one. Six issue mini from Boom, Vicky's pick of the month, Wicked Things, at number one. Do my eyes to see. okay? <laughs> so Roddy is about to tell us his pick of the month. Uh, Won't be needing this. Well, of he course. He throws aside the DC book. Well, of course, because the best title of the month has already been oh, talked well. about. So we're all good. Well, <laughs> so. It's okay, Roddy. You and I can stick together. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> You're supposed to be on this podcast to back we me are up. Indie team, although <laughs> n- not right now. But <laughs> well, I had a Marvel pick, so we're right. Yeah, there. you're allowed one. Yeah, but you know, 
Um, so this one, um, I think last year we talked about Marvels a lot, and we had our remind me what those editions were called. Annotated. Annotated Marvels. Four issues of absolute brilliance. Part of the 80th anniversary. Of Marvel, yeah. And they also released an epilogue. Um, if you don't know, Marvel's is, was uh, a four-issue miniseries uh, in the 1990s by Alex Ross and Kurt Busiek. And it w- followed um, uh, Phil Sheldon, who was a photographer, um, who basically... It, saw the Marvel Age come come to life through the lens of his camera, a very street uh like a street a street view almost. He's the everyday person's view of superheroes. Yeah, it? and it's just it's a fantastic book. One of the probably one of the greatest comics of all time. And obviously Marvel have been celebrating this, but I quite liked um on Alan's board in the store. It this one is like Marvel by Marvel. <laughs> one of six. Um, but yeah, so this one, um, so they're going back to Marvel. This is a little bit different. Alex Ross is curating this. So this is going to be six issues. They're all going to be anthology books, but there's going to be an overall story um, by Alex Ross that ties it all together. But in each book, there's going to be a couple of different stories by different artists. So I'm really liking the idea of this. Um, I think Alex Ross's story ties it all together with a, I think, Nightmare, who's a character I'm not very familiar with, an enemy of Doctor Strange. That's right, yeah. He's the the ruler of the nightmare dimension. Um, (laughs) So whenever you you sleep at night, he is the the ruler of that dimension that has created it whenever you have uh, foul dreams. The ah. unconfined joy on your face there, Ollie. <laughs> I didn't embarrass right. myself in front of <laughs> Mr. Marvel. Um, but yeah. Uh, no fear of that, Roddy. No fear of that. So 30 decades ago, Alex Ross had a vision of a new series showing Marvel heroes in a way they'd never been seen before. The first realization of that idea became the blockbuster of Marvels. But today, Alex finally brings about his original vision, an anthology of stories by unique, exceptional talents, many of whom are doing Marvel characters for the very first time. Over this showcase, you'll see work by artists, or you'll see work by such artists as Adam Hughes, Bill Sinkenowitz, Dan Barrettan, and more, linked together by an overarching story by Alex and Steve Dardell. This inaugural issue kicks kicks it all off with superstar artists like Frank Espinosa, uh, who's done Looney Tunes stuff that's been really good, telling an unusual Spider-Man story. And Steve Rude, who is teaming up with Kurt Busiek to do an Avengers story. And that's uh, a friend by Alex and Steve Darnell presenting uh, Tale of Dread, Dreamland, Nightmare, and his threat to the entire Marvel Universe. So they're obviously continuing the Marvel story here. Very excited by that. I think what they're doing <coughs> is the, I mean, the the origin of Marvels is told in, in the Marvels um, trade paperback. And the idea, the original idea that Alex Ross had uh, before Kurt Busiek came on board was a little bit different than what eventually happened. And I think it was more of this anthology story he had in mind. So clearly they've given him free reign to go ahead and tell yeah. his... <laughs> Do it again. The ori- well, the original yeah. concept that eventually became Marvel's. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, if you just... Um, Alex Ross doing interior art again... It's worth it alone. Mm-hmm. He does the nightmare stuff. If you can find the nightmare stuff, I also, 
I think he's doing the covers as well. It's just worth a loan for Alex Ross Hart, in my opinion. Yeah, he seems to be <coughs> seems to be doing covers. Um, seems to be doing some interiors, but uh, as you mentioned here, he's teamed up with other superstar artists. Um, uh, Kevin Smith and Mark Bernardin interviewed Bill Sinkowich mm-hmm. on uh, on Fat Man and Bat or Fat Man Beyond. Um, a couple of weeks ago, he was the guy. He so I told you that whenever I was in Spain at the start of December, I read the Demon Bear Saga. So he was the artist on that Chris Claremont book, famously. So mm-hmm. uh, it was a really interesting interview, actually. Yeah. Cool, I'll yeah. check it out. Um, it, sort of the other pages. I am really interested to see how it's all going to work together. I remember. Well, we do know you love an anthology. Oh, I love an anthology. Um, I remember you were talking about Marvel 1000, was it? Mm-hmm. Where everything was just a bit all uh, over the place. All over the place. There was like loads of different art. There's only a couple of pages. So I'm interested to see how long these stories are going to be. Yeah. Loads of different art styles. How is it all going to fit together? Really excited to see. So many great artists, so many talents. And Alex Ross, you can't go wrong, like, can you? Well, the other side of that is his contemporary, um, Kurt Busiek, his, uh, the writer on of Marvels, um, is curating um, Marvel Snapshots, which is a series of eight standalone annual size stories that show us Marvel's greatest characters from the golden age today to today, all through the eyes of ordinary people. So um, he's brought together, Kurt Busiek has brought together an assemblage of talent um, to show you those viewpoints at the first two are in this book, and that is Snapshots Submariner, followed by uh, Snapshots Fantastic Four. So looks like Jerry, Jerry Ordway is the artist on um, Submariner, and uh, Benjamin Dewey is the artist on Fantastic Four. Um, so, and there's it looks like there's going to be eight of those. So Alex uh, Ross is hard to work doing all these covers. Yeah. Although I thought these were notable because they had... a. Uh, Hidden Gem variant covers by Jack Kirby himself. So oh, lovely. That looks interesting. But yeah, uh, a rare, not maybe not a rare, but a surprise Marvel pick for me. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like um, <coughs> with them doing the annotated editions, it's almost really a creative spark within Alex Ross and Kurt Busiek because they're pushing forward with quite a lot of material there. Mm. Yeah, maybe they've got like all this maybe year's going to be yeah, Marvels. Going into yeah. it and doing all those annotations and all the rest because we already got the little Marvel's epilogue as well which was a pretty cool yeah, story yeah I mean there's a stuff. there's a more cynical side of me that thinks Marvel's going well actually let's see how much more we can squeeze out of this we'll we'll put Alex Ross's name on this and we'll put Kurt Busiek's name on this and they can do a wee bit and Forever then we'll team the them up with it. yeah. it's just you know even, even for your own company Oh, my company. <laughs> Don't lie, you get resist. I've seen the checks in the mail. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they are big. Um, yeah, like I'm, I'm the first to be cynical, but I don't know. Not with Marvels. I mean, it's, it is a classic, but it's not like they've beat that drum loads before. I'll you know, say as as much as Marvel is revered, or Marvels, I should say, is revered. It's not quite on the level of a Spider-Man solo title or. You know, a brand new relaunch for Thor, obviously, or things like that. So, it's it's a really well respected title rather than like a big blockbuster title. Mm. So, I mean, I, I like to think that it's just the the more stories to tell. Um, plus any excuses, Roddy says for Alex Ross to get back on art cover duty, I have no problem with. Let's stick with that then. Yeah, <laughs> always putting a positive spin on things. Um, yeah. So that was Marvel by Marvel, <laughs> number one uh, for Roddy's pick. Uh, so my last one is another Marvel. Um, 
by Marvel, but not <laughs> called Marvel. Um, uh, so by Jerry Duggan and Phil Noto, that is uh, the relaunch of one of my favourite characters um, under the X banner, and that is Cable. Uh, who wants to talk about Cable? You do. You do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 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 so uh, Cable, as you know, is the son of uh, Cyclops, Scott Summers, and um, the clone of Jean Grey, um, who was infected with the techno-organic virus as a child, uh, sent to uh, the future uh, under the care of um, Scott's alternative universe daughter uh, in the future, Rachel, who's now known as Mother Scanny. Cable is raised as the Ascani son, the uh, the man who is to... That's a Twitter handle, it sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. That is indeed. Uh, <laughs> raised as the Ascani son, the man who is to uh, uh, lead the resistance, the rebellion against uh, Apocalypse of the Future. Um, ends up coming back to our present, uh, now an older man, older than his father, and uh, sort of creating a, a paramilitary force from the New Mutants called X-Force. Um that was all well and good. Cable had a, a lot of adventures in our time and in the future and in the past um, and so forth and so on. Um, and uh, eventually, last year, um, in Ed Breeson's extermination, was killed by his younger self um, for not doing his job, which was effectively to protect the timeline. So um, that left a dead, older, grizzled Cable and our our cable now a younger more um teenaged early 20s aged individual and so we come back to the whole younger heroes thing again um but uh cable has always been one of my favorite characters he's got a great history uh, and i'm really interested to see where jerry duggan and phil Nuto go with this this relaunch obviously set against the the background of um the background of uh jonathan hickman's House of X, Powers of X, Dawn of X stuff. Um, seems that the new world of X-Men is a little too calm for Cable, um, who's looking for trouble in this brand new comic book. Um, the relaunch has given Mutant Kind a brand, a sort of new status quo uh, with a paradise to inhabit and defend and a scattered people to gather. But um, if the mutants succeed in preventing a war with humanity altogether, then what? where does that leave a grizzled soldier like, like Cable? Um and I think we're going to find out what Nathan Summers' next move is in this in this series. Um, Cable is currently in the Fallen Angels series, which I know is due to end and or be cancelled. Yeah, number six. It seemed to be the Fallen Angels was the sacrificial lamb, just as Wolverine was coming in to be part of the Dawn of X line. But it is interesting that with the launch of Cable and also another new title called Hellions, mm-hmm. I did wonder if one or two other titles would fall by the wayside, but Doesn't all of them like were yep. continuing. Yep. Marauders, um, Excalibur, X-Force, X-Men, and New Mutants are all continuing. And all pretty so strong at the minute, you know. Very much so. Um, um, so I don't know how, f- how Cable gets from Fallen Angels to this uh, new series of his. Um you know, I'm not sure how. I mean, I've, I've seen a little bit of this uh, younger version of Cable. Um, you know, he's still, I guess, he's still Mutant Kind's toughest soldier, and he, this young guy still has to make a name for himself in the in the modern Marvel universe. Um, Duggan, Jerry Duggan, is currently writing Marauders, which is a great book. Um, so, action sort of yeah, humor. Savage Sword, is it? He writes as well. He's writing Savage Sword of Conan as well, um, and. Uh, 
Phil Noto, he's got more of a of a painting style. Um, they've worked together quite considerably. Uh, so yeah, um, looking forward to seeing seeing where this goes. Um, Have you seen this cover, Keith? Because it is awesome. It's a lovely cover. That's a Phil Noto cover. It's looks like an eighties action yeah, movie to me. Exactly. With the folds in the it looks like a folded the poster. Folded poster. Yeah. It's a class. Uh, so that's Phil Noto. Phil Noto has this. Um, has this pa- that painted style that that we're seeing in that cover? So, uh, I, bl- uh, I believe you own a folded poster like that. Yeah, I believe <laughs> I do. I believe I do. Um, so yeah, um, I guess you know, uh, Cable's going to do what he always did. Um, you know, uh, he's going to keep an eye on the time stream. Um, he, you know, he's 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 a badass. He's already killed a an older version of himself, which was kind of, you know, <laughs> that's kind of a badass thing to do. Um, so who have we got uh, on the cover? We've got Wolverine and a few more. Well, yeah, so this younger cable has been accepted in the in the new Krakoa uh, mm-hmm. universe as a fully functioning member of the Summers family. Uh, you know, so he lives in the Summers house alongside his father, Cyclops, uh, Jean Grey, um, you know, his half-brother and his half-sister, um, and Wolverine. Strangely, <laughs> uh, well, we have our theories on that. So, um, so yeah, and I, I mean, uh, I'm just interested to see it. The, 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 the whole idea that he killed Cable, older Cable, really has never been dealt with. I mean, I'm, you know, it's so. It's, I'm interested to see where this goes. This is going to be, it's going to be interesting, and they're they're promising that we're going to expect some of the some of the Cable Cable assembled younger mutants around him to become X Force, and it's promising that we're going to see. Uh, some of those younger mutants like Pixie and Armor along for the ride. So, looking forward to it. I'll give it a I'll give it a couple issues and see how it goes. But with that writer and that art and that character, should be interesting. Should be a home run for you then. Uh, yeah, cool. So that was uh, Keith's uh, pick of the month, which is Cable Number One, Jerry Dugan and Phil Noto. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty of other bits and pieces through the books. I mean, we 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 have always played around with different formats for the previous podcast so we wanted to just sort of point out our, our main titles that we're looking forward to um the books as i say are always in store so if you want to come in and have a flick through them see if anything appeals to you anything that we've missed or not mentioned um you you'll be able to uh have a look through them in the in the store and let us know if there's any titles you are interested in previews corner at the bottom of the stairs in the new store it is indeed yeah the board's there the books are there the uh, the sheets are there for filling in any any requests. I mean, are there any other ones you want to throw at a spot? If I can see Roddy just I have staring at me. Uh, Here he comes. He's already. I just have the ten uh, special mentions. <laughs> okay, you can have one <laughs> that ties into a future. Project. Yes. So uh, we're going to do a book club, and it's going to be on mice, and it should be coming in January. So love the book club. Really loved what we've done with Mister Miracle, Old Guard. Pride of Baghdad, all that sort of good stuff. If I've missed anything, Magic, Magic Order. Order, yeah, that was uh, that was my one of my favorite ones actually. Um, oh, but good yeah, good save, yeah, good yeah. save. Um, but yeah, um, it's okay. We'll get you onto sagas next. Ooh, okay. <laughs> uh, not before I get you onto mice, um, which is probably equally as sad. Probably if <laughs> <laughs> sadder, um, a little older. Yep. Um, so this is the 40th anniversary box set. I just wanted to throw out a mention because if you haven't got it, uh, we're going to talk about it. So it'd be a great jumping on point. Um, and this is 
the only comic to win a, or sorry, the only graphic novel to win a Pulitzer Prize. Um, it's a tale about the war and the Holocaust. So it's going to be a heavy, heavy book club. So prepare yourself. But it's one of the greatest, not just the greatest, greatest graphic novels, but one of the greatest books, in my opinion. So what I'm thinking at this point out. is when it comes to your next book club, you have to pick something light and breezy. We oh, already yeah, got Pride yeah, yeah. of Baghdad off you. You I'm, know, not, so I'm not well. a bright and breezy guy, you know. <laughs> it's just so we it's have very sad. Back that off you for one. <laughs> Mouse is the next. What's gonna follow that? I'll pick a lighthearted one. How about Please that? do. Yeah. Please okay. do. <laughs> I can't remember what I read last week. Uh, it was on my pull list, I think. And there was a there was a character in it who discovered a like a lion in a in a palace in the Middle East, the body of a lion, and I thought. Is this a wee sideways nod towards Pride of Pride of that Baghdad? I can't remember what it was. Oh, okay. It was interesting. You have Roddy's attention. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get back to you. Okay. Okay. Um yeah, so that's uh that's a wee mouse anniversary box. I mean, we do have trades of mouse in stock at the moment. Um we're trying to do a lot of things in the store at the moment where a lot of the sections are tailored and we've put together a wee podcast section in the store which will have the likes of the trades that we go through in the book clubs it'll have recommendations that we talk about a lot so things like dies on there once in future will end up on there things like middle west um stuff that we're just big big fans of just to make it easier for people to find that stuff uh so yeah i think that's going to bring an end to our first previews podcast of 2020 good to be back um yeah, uh, as I say, the, the books did arrive a little later than normal, uh, than expected. So all previous orders have to be in by the 15th of this month. So two weeks time. Um, sorry, no, the 15th is the Wednesday. Sorry, I take that back. The 17th. Am I right? Two Nine, weeks. 16th, yeah. 17th. Just under two weeks. Friday the 17th, yeah. yeah. So um, any pre-orders, if you can get them in by then, that would be awesome. Just 100% guarantees those titles for you. Um, so yeah, that's it from us. Pleasure as always, guys. So around. where do we find the store on socials? You find us on Facebook. Uh, as always, the most uh, probably Facebook is the one that we interact with people the most. Although we are going to set up a new podcast channel through Twitter, I think, and that'll allow people to contact us directly just for the podcast. Um, so find us on Twitter at Coffee Heroes One. Find us on Instagram, Coffee and Heroes. Cool. Um, what? Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, follow me at Roddy McCants on Twitter and Fracture Press as well. Same on Instagram. Don't really use Facebook, but Fracture Press is on Facebook. If you're about, give me a message. Um, <laughs> I don't really use Facebook, <coughs> but if you want to follow yeah, me on Facebook, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. I'm finding. Um, I think I'm gonna. My certain new plan is uh, I'm gonna create a little uh, social media accounts for my projects. Mm-hmm and use it as sort of like back matter almost like little Ooh, behind the scenes stuff so there's a project i'm working on called sirius which is coming out hopefully summer and hopefully it'll be in the previous book i uh, won't tell you about anymore but uh set up a wee channel for that and i'm gonna sort of post like creative stuff and if anybody's interested that's cool but sweet if not that's great as well <laughs> awesome and uh any other social media channels? To I'm you at uh, uh, Scannison00 on uh, Twitter, and I mostly just use it for this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I, I promise he doesn't get political on there. He just does that in person. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Um, yeah. So uh, cheers, guys, and uh, happy uh, new year to all. When will we be back? We will be back very Tell soon because we have three weeks of reviews to catch up on, guys. A couple of days for a reviews podcast. Yep, we'll be doing that. And then we're going to get back to the, the weekly content. Um, not, uh, the, the holiday season is behind us, shall we say. Lovely. So, yeah, we will see you uh, soon then. Thank you very much to everyone who listens and see you soon. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Keep on winging it. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.